lose all sense of reality and enter another world. Remember, do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. 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 Governor gonna give me a cold pop. And then I thought somebody was barbecuing. I said, oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire. <laughs> Beyond. That probably, that probably our quickest derailment of the show ever. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 248. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the Dark Knight of News, Andrew Goldfarb. Hi. Hi. He only does everything. Colin Moriarty. Mr. Thomas Sewell picked the wrong guy to fire because he's fake handicapped. <laughs> <laughs> and the PlayStation powerhouse, Ryan Clements. Ohio was Amos. I'm not going to lie to you, listeners. You picked a good one. This, is a, this was a good mm. show to listen to. We are, we're already on fire. Everything. There's no way we can not have an awesome show. We're everyone's, passed out. Everyone's in, in amazing places. Uh. We've been having fun conversations downstairs. Yep. It's time to have some fun conversations here. Let's yep. begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> Time for some news. <laughs> Number one PlayStation podcast on the internet. <laughs> I let some sort of handicapped person into the room. Really <laughs> Number one. Was it? Oh, so Do you have to edit that? I don't want to edit that. No, no, it's too it's good. Fine. We're on the roll. Number one. Number one. How there, many? How many items on there? Are there are twelve items on the list. Twelve items on the list. A dozen. <laughs> A baker's dozen's thirteen, Andrew. I'll make. I have. Andrew, thir- I'll add a- <laughs> <laughs> But they don't teach you that in news school. No, they don't. I'll add a thirteenth. Are we done? <laughs> Are we quite done? Did you say eleven is thirteen. I said I'll add a thirteen. Okay, but also eleven is thirteen. Yeah, but also yes, Andrew Math. Andrew, Andrew. <laughs> it's almost like drunk math. What's up, Andrew? <laughs> Uh, number one, voice actor Anthony Scordy has confirmed that he's contributed his vocal skills to an upcoming piece of Mass Effect 3, LD, uh, Mass Effect 3 DLC that focuses on a rogue reaper named Leviathan. This confirms a rumor from last month suggesting that such a piece of DLC called Leviathan would be forthcoming. EA and Bioware haven't confirmed that the DLC will be released, however. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, you think, there's no confirmation. You think it's single player or multiplayer? Single player. It's single player. Okay, yeah. good. I, want, I don't want no more multiplayer. I don't need... I, keep doing your multiplayer, fine. I only care about the single player. <laughs> well, they announced new multiplayer DLC today. It's too, free so. too, right? Yeah. Yep. I think we're playing it at Comic Con. Mm-hmm. The people are expecting them to announce mm-hmm. this at uh, Comic Con Leviathan. Mm-hmm. They have yeah. a panel. They, they, they have do. hints yeah, at the yeah. panel. Comic Con. Yeah. You remember that uh, good old Final Fantasy summon Leviathan? Yeah. Of course. Big old sea dragon comes mm-hmm. in, sends waves at you. Woo! He was hard a to bitch. forget he was a that bitch. one. Hard to forget it. Leviathan was a bitch. I didn't like him. What? I was always, he was the I was king always, of the sea. I was always, <laughs> I was always never effort. called him that once. <laughs> hey, while, we're, guy. while we're thinking about Comic-Con, mm. let's pimp some Comic-Con stuff. Comic-Con's this week. If you're going, come see myself and Damon Hatfield. Uh, you can see us at a number of places. On Thursday, I'm hosting the podcast, not Podcast Beyond. I'm hosting the Beyond <laughs> Two Souls panel. Uh, it's at noon Thursday. Ellen Page is on it, so you want to come to that. Oh, so I don't know jealous. why I think this is helping me. Uh, I'm ha- I have my hand out and Goldfarb is mocking me for it. <laughs> Uh, then Let's after immediately following, <laughs> immediately following the uh, Ellen Page uh, Beyond Two Souls panel, we're going to film up at noon at the Hard Rock Hotel. If you don't have com- tickets to Comic Con, you don't need this. Line up at one thirty or be lined up by one thirty. Then we're gonna bring you up and have a whole bunch of people to interview in front of you, including Jim Lee from DC Comics. Mm. Um, Sunday or no, uh, Saturday night we're gonna do an IGN meet and greet at uh, the local, I think it's called 
There's information on my blog about that, but Saturday night plan on that, getting Spoilers. drunk with David and I. Greg is going to get hammered. Yeah, well, and then Sunday I have, uh, I'm hosting the uh, PlayStation All-Stars Superbot panel at Comic-Con, too. So Another I spoiler is the worst panel at Comic-Con will <laughs> be the All-Stars panel. All right, so, so uh, you, uh, you guys, uh, you got a fat princess in there, don't, right? Don't, <laughs> don't talk so loud. Two new characters getting announced there. At the, at the panel. Correct. Let's make some predictions. Who are the two new characters? Well, I know. Uh, well, that would be a little disingenuous, wouldn't it? You're the only one who doesn't know. Uh, Go. Okay. Who do you think it's going to be? Uh, what, nobody confirmed or deny. All right. Uh, Nathan Drake. Already confirmed. Yep. Confirmed at E3. <laughs> <laughs> the rap of the rapper. <laughs> when the game was originally announced. The <laughs> is really good at this game. <laughs> I'm on a roll. They're going to announce, announce him again. <laughs> new outfits for Nathan Drake. Number two. Yeah. Sony has revealed its PSN Play lineup for the summer of 2012. The four games in question are The Expendables 2 on July 31st, Sound Shapes on August 7th, finally. Yay. Papo EO on August 17th, also finally. And Counter-Strike Go on August 21st. Each game will cost $14.99 or $11.99 if you're a PlayStation Plus member. Better yet, you get your money back for purchasing more than one between July 24th and August 27th. Buy two and get $3 back. Buy three and get $6 back. Buy all four and get $10 back. Nice deal. Good deal. I, we don't know anything about Expendables 2, the game, though, right? No. Okay. I think I think we're seeing that at Comic-Con as well. Um, I'll see how that turns out. We have played everything else on this list, I believe. I haven't played Counter-Strike, but I think Charles has. Yeah, Charles played that. We one. played yeah, Sound Shapes about 7,000 times, and we played Papo EO <laughs> many times as is well. Is Sound Shapes not out yet? No, because they... Here's the thing. They never said that this is why the game was delayed, but clearly it was delayed so they can port it to PS3. So I think that was a huge mistake. They should have just released it on Vita. And I think that that was a game that people might have bought a Vita for, and now they will not buy a Vita for it. I don't think anyone's going to buy no a Vita for, bought a Vita for that. I disagree. I think that's like... We think about the lead-up to Vita. That was I'm like thinking. one of the most compelling games that we knew about. Yeah, yeah we, but, that we but it's did. not a system seller, necessarily. Yeah, it's not, well, yeah. it's just because it doesn't have the public eye on it. I don't think, you know, the when you go up, eye. you go into GameStop, and you're like... What you got that's hot on Vita? They're going to be like, let me tell you about Sound Shapes. It's this Jonathan <laughs> Mack joint. I hope that's his name. I think that's his name, yeah, right? Yeah. Remember when Dead Mouse lost his Vita? Like before it was out? But, yeah, but he, did, he didn't really lose it. Remember when oh. Remember when Dead Mouse uh, tweeted out like the phone number of Skrillex, his cell phone number, so Skrillex had to get rid of his phone? I thought that was pretty funny. Dead Mouse is a mean man. He's yeah, a mean I man. I believe he has a Space Invaders tattoo on his neck, but I'm not oh, sure. Okay. Who doesn't? What do you got for me, Colin? Get me back on track. Here. Number three, a lot of people. Angry Birds trilogy is coming to PlayStation Three. It will include the original Angry Birds as well as Angry Birds Seasons and Angry Bird Rio. I'm sorry, I fell asleep. And has been confirmed to be coming out on disc. No pricing or release date has yet been revealed. Fifty nine ninety nine. <laughs> they try to charge like forty dollars for that, which is probably what they're going to do. I'm going to fucking laugh. Yep. It's I I I predict it'll be between. I, I said thirty nine ninety nine yesterday when I was talking about it. I think that that's where they're going to yeah, price yeah. it. I, they said it's going to be on disc. Yep, Angry it's got uh, it's got you know they animated the backgrounds. They uh, did some animation for uh, cutscenes and stuff too. Like it's they 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 said in our interview that they built it from the ground up. It's and, got a full morality meter. It's just like <laughs> yeah. huge sweeping narrative. And our good friend Yair Donin from Israel writes in about Angry Birds. Hopefully they'll flesh out the story and characters more this time around with all those new cinematics. I want more exposition. <laughs> Speaking of exhibi- ex- exposition, Greg Way, why is there a 3DS version and not a Vita one? I think with the touchscreen controls, it's an obvious choice. Yeah, no a- shit. Excellent question. Yeah, I don't know why that isn't coming to Vita. 
I mean, they did Angry Birds as a mini, a PlayStation mini. Like, I don't understand why. And they why charged they wanted... like $15 for it, so they probably yeah. sold two copies, and that's why they're like, well, we don't want to go on handhelds anymore on Sony's side. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. That would be, actually be really fun to yeah. play for trophies. Like, yeah. Angry Birds is like, it, it's no great legend or anything, but it's fine. I mean, I, I played it on iPhone. It's one of those it things I played fun. a little bit on iPhone, and I would, yeah. I would be, I'd be willing to play more a little bit on Vita. Sure, what, I, what for me is, I, I don't. It doesn't. That it's no great legend. <laughs> in in the hallowed halls of gaming, Angry Birds can't hang its hats. It's no great legend of yeah. mine. I understand why the poppers play it. Anyways, yeah. it's, I, it's not a game I see. Like, I'll play it, especially if the trophies are really good. But uh, it's one of those I can't see myself like coming home and wanting to sit down and play on. You know. Yeah, there's no, there's no way. I'm help. losing it, guys. I'm getting the giggles. It's happening good. That's going to be a good show. Then. All right. Number four. Dyad, the upcoming PSN exclusive, has a release date. You can look for it on the North American PSN on July 17th. It will cost $15. There's no word yet on when it's coming out in other territories. Hey, Greg, we got Dyad today, and you can look for my review of it later this week. Cool. We got it from the guy who makes the game. Yes. And he had the best subject line ever. Yep. Just Dyad, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All in capital letters. <laughs> he knows Love how it. to sell his product. I'm going to start playing it this afternoon. Oh, mm. it has a platinum trophy, by the way. Mm. That uh, game. Oh, go on. Will trip you up. Sorry. It will trip you up. And out. Oh, okay. Good. Up and out. Up and out. Good. Uh, number five. I really want Burger King, by the way. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I don't know why. I you, want thinking... walk, you want to walk down to that sketchy ass Burger <laughs> yeah, King? Yeah, like twenty blocks through the apocalyptic part of. <laughs> we go to Burger Sandwich Joint. Is... Burger Joint. Yo, you mean food poisoning central? No thanks. Is that where you got food poisoning? No, no that's, that's Burger where, that's Bistro. That's where uh, IGN X uh, Tyroot. Got food poisoning? Alum. No, he's in Alum. Tyroot. Yeah, he got really bad alum. food poisoning there. Alum. Yeah. Alum. I like Alum. Alum. Better. And that was also from a turkey burger. <laughs> no, yeah. I think he got Those a chicken breast sandwich there. Oh, okay. And well, it, never mind. That's what then. caused it. It's like my friend. But I, it's, rem- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Everybody's been food poisoned somewhere. Every right. restaurant has food poison somewhere. Sure. I mean, it's it, when you eat meat or really anything, it is possible spinach you have. You know, I, it's probably really rare to have someone to get food. Remember that happened when the, you got the E. coli? No, yeah, 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 that was yeah. a big thing. That was a big. Wait, thing. Really? Yeah, yeah you ooh, couldn't buy spinach anywhere. This, but this particular food poisoning case, it just how happened that someone wanted to plop their balls on a hamburger patty. <laughs> 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 He's like on the grill. He's like, he's like, right on the teabag in this burger patty. Uh, um, I was just going to say that the Alum thing reminds me of my friend Ramon, who, who Greg knows. I like, I like Ramon. Um, he's my best friend from back home, and uh, he can't say the word archives. To this day, he says archives like every time he says it. <laughs> I've been cracking him for a solid like That's 10 years awesome. now. <laughs> archives. Uh, number five. That's good. I say I stay dumb stuff too. So we all do. No hate. Do you ever listen to podcasts beyond? Number five. <laughs> PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale has two new characters in a new stage. The two characters in question are Heihachi Mishima from Tekken and Toro, one of Sony's most well-known mascots in Japan. The new stage is the Dojo from Parappa the Rapper, which looks really cool, by the way. The Dojo. Uh, with uh, Chop Chop Master running in the background. Yep. And all yeah, the they, little, they, like, they disciples. Look cool. Punch, it's all in the mind. If oh. you want to test me, I'm sure you'll find the things that teach you are sure, sure to beat you. <laughs> but nevertheless, you're going to listen from teacher. Now, now kick, punch, chop. <laughs> kick, punch, chop. Kick, kick, pop, pop. <laughs> um, I, liked, I, I remember playing uh-huh. that game for the first time. I got it for Christmas in 97. And... I would just play it, and I never understood how to get like the mo- the highest thing. And it was because you had to like freestyle, so it'd be like kick, and you'd be like kick, 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 punch, punch, yeah, like that's how you had to get like the highest scores. But they never they never like made that clear in the game. All Stars also has a release date on PS3 and Vita. It will come to the US on October 23rd, Australia on October 25th, and Europe 
on October 26th. Hey, why don't we go to the mailbag for a sure. second? We're going to do something we never do on Podcast Beyond. Are you ready, Andrew? What's go far. We are. We're actually going to intelligently answer someone's question with facts we went and got for this question. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're gonna wow. break, wow. We are going to break PlayStation All-Stars news here that no one knows for sure. We're confirming. Okay. Flyboy2057 writes into beyond at IGN.com just like you can. It says, hey guys, beyond. 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 Just saw um, your PlayStation conversation detailing who you hope is in PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. My question is for you. Do you know if each character will have multiple costumes like those in Smash Brothers? Hope this makes it on the show. It did, Flyboy, and I reached out to Sony. It's fully expecting to be told I can't confirm this on the record or off, and they were fine with it. Yeah, there are different outfits. The, yeah, you nice. will they switch colors as and a pre-order. Damn it. Yeah, no, no, they, but like not as a pre-order thing. That you're the color thing here. The colors will change, and you can have. Oh different, yeah, yeah, okay. So at E3, they had a like a green Sly Cooper. I remember. I don't know. I didn't see that one. I remember right. when we were playing at the events and stuff. I always thought that Kratos looked the same, even when there was multiple Kratos on the screen. It's, I'm confused. <laughs> like that was... Kratos, the most generic character of all time. That's I'm a, not true. I'm a little confused about how you activate the the different skins, though, because I, I tried hitting the D-pad buttons, and I don't know what was going Maybe on. Maybe it just wasn't enabled in that build. Yeah, that's possible. The D-pad buttons. By the way, just about uh, a word the on D-pad. that. A word on that video <laughs> that we made yesterday. Yeah. In retrospect, no, your picks were your legend. picks were terrible. When I was, I was thinking about it in retrospect, the last guy. A Ghostbuster and Lego Batman. <laughs> I was I was waiting for you to call me on it when we were doing it, and you never did. Lego Batman would be a good one. Lego Batman. Yeah, that'd be a fun one. <laughs> you beat him, Kratos, and he, he turns the not, General not, Raddick. Not Batman. Lego, Lego Batman. Batman. Raddick, Drake, Fat Princess, and Lego Batman. I like how, yeah, you Fat Princess makes sense, and Lego Batman doesn't. Fat Princess does make sense. You don't make sense. Well, I have to say that I'm every time they announce new characters, I'm getting really excited. Like, because I remember in college going and reading the dojo when they announced new Smash Brothers stuff every day. Mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm getting really pumped up about Smash yeah, Brothers. I'm looking forward to All Stars. Anybody else think Fat Princess is kind of hot? Until she eats that cake. No, I'm talking about pre cake. I mean, post cake. Post cake. <laughs> post cake. Man. Just wanted. What do you want to do? A lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. Gross. In a conversation at British PC and indie game show Res, Gearbox Software's Randy Pitchford told a panel audience that he'd loved, quote, love to see a Vita version of Borderlands 2. He says he's, quote, excited by the idea of cloud-powered connectivity between PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita, and that he, quote, wishes Sony would get behind Borderlands. Unfortunately, Gearbox is busy with the console and PC versions of the game and would have to leave it up to an external developer, but rest assured the studio wants this to happen. Now, Greg, I, I yeah. want to say this. Um, I feel like this happening means that someone caught wind of this in which there will be a beta version of Borderlands 2, at least discussed with Gearbox Software. No, I hope be- so. Because someone's probably like, I can do it. Like, my team of, you know, of guys can can port this to Vita. And probably Nate Fox. Nate, Nate Fox. That's Sucker what Punch has got nothing up there. They're like, oh, no. fuck, we can do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of exciting. That'd be really cool. Yeah, no, that'd yeah. be awesome. Borderlands would be really cool on the Vita. Yeah, it'll look beautiful. Uh, number seven, Telltale Games has revealed that it's going to do a second season of The Walking Dead, the game, once its first season of five episodes has run its course. The company noted that 1.7 million episodes have been sold across all platforms over an eight-week period, Jeez. making it a rousing success. Meanwhile, Activision has revealed that it's funding and publishing a Walking Dead FPS, which will be developed by Terminal Reality and released in 2013. And Walking then Dead. that great, that great quote you yeah, got, Greg, oh, yeah. from yeah. the old interview. From an old, there's an old Kirkman interview that Telltale had up that uh, I went back and watched to ask more questions about, in a, which I didn't send in, so don't look for more answers from Kirkman. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and Kirkman's basically says like, yeah, you know, it could be a first person shooter, but that would be dumb, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> and then and like, here it is, like, oh okay. So it's interesting. I, I mean, like you know, the, the Telltale version is set in the comics universe. This one is the first person shooter is set in the AMC TV universe. 
interesting. I wonder how much, you know, uh, Kirkman had to do with this version of the game, right? Like, was it just AMC saying, we're making a game, this is how it's going to happen, and yada, yada? Do you think the tutorial in the beginning of the game is going to be, like, you have to aim and shoot the little girl in the head, and it's like, you know... Go to the menu and invert your controls. No, no it's going to be Merle yelling racist stuff at <laughs> yeah. you while you try and aim at him. Come on, Daryl. Yep. I don't. I don't. I can't do a good. No, that was great. Can't, that was I can't do a good. Spot Merle. on, Merle. <laughs> Number eight. If you've registered and got into the Little Big Planet carding beta, there's good news. The beta is set to begin on uh, Tuesday, July 10th, and will <laughs> run through Tuesday, July 31st. You can yeah. still register if you're interested in getting in. Are you going to play? Oh yeah, big time. Okay, I'm not. Number Ross, nine. You hate carding. I don't like carding games. Number nine, Tales of Zillia, the PS3 exclusive RPG, has yeah. been confirmed for Western release and will be released both in Europe and North America sometime in 2013. <sighs> Tales of Zillia did exceptionally well in its native Japan when it came out last year. It was the most pre-ordered Tales game in the history of the franchise and the second best-selling game ever released in the series. A sequel is due out later this year in Japan, and it's a safe bet that we'll get uh, we'll get that in the West too, should Tales of Zillia sell well. Interestingly, Tales of Destiny 2, the Japanese version of Tales of Destiny 2, because our Tales of Destiny was actually Tales of 2, was Tales of Eternia, um, was the best-selling game in the series. Now, isn't that weird? Because you would think that more people would have played Tales of Destiny than Tales of Destiny 2. How can people play Tales of Destiny 2 without having played the original one? We've talked about this before. You know how it goes. That anything That's why games keep making sequels and keep yeah, putting threes on sell. stuff. On them. Yeah. yeah, but this, this is, is a story-driven RPG. This is great, great news, though, man. It is. It I, is I've awesome. been so, so I was lucky enough to be in Japan when the Tales of Zillia like, phenomenon was happening, and every storefront had these huge Tales of Zillia displays with you know, LCD screens like showing off the game. It just looks so cool. So cool. It's just a shame. We're getting it, we're getting it about two years after it come, came out there, which is weird because that's like an old, almost an old localization process from like the NES, SNES, even PlayStation yeah. days where you had to wait like two years. Um, usually we get the games a lot quicker, which means that Namco Bandai was trying to be contemplative about whether or not it released the game here. I'm, I'd be curious to know, do we know how Tales of Grace's F did? No. Because mm. that was a really fun game. I'm sure it did. I, if, if I had to predict North American sales for yeah. Tales of Grace's F, yeah. I would say like 100,000. And I would I would say maybe another 100,000 in Europe, which could very well be profitable. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, number 10. THQ is no longer publishing Itagaki's upcoming game, Devil's Third, likely attributable to its current dire financial situation. The game's rights and IP have been returned to Itagaki's Valhalla Studio. The game's current status, including who will publish it and if it will still come out this year, remains to be seen. I wonder if that game will get picked up. It will. Uh, number 11. The Who's going to pick it up? Me and you. No. <laughs> Who's going to pick it up? I don't know. Greg and Goldie Studios. <laughs> It would be interesting if like one of the first parties picked it up and just published it exclusively. Tecmo Koei, that's who's picking it up. You think so? That's yep. actually totally possible. Number 11, the Sega Saturn Classics, uh, Classic Nights in the Dreams will be coming to PSN this fall as an HDized PSN title. Originally released in 1996, Nights is one of Saturn's biggest games and was remade for the Wii back in 2007. And I remember the Wii remake, Clayman was really into it. Well, it wasn't It, was, it wasn't a remake. It was a, like a sequel. Oh, it was a sequel. So it yeah. was remade for PS2, but mm. it only came out in Japan. Oh, okay. I thought the it. PS2 and the Wii versions were the same game. No, I don't think so. Okay, I could be I could be totally wrong. I think you might be, but not, not definitely <laughs> possible. Number twelve, new FCC documents suggest a new model of PS3 is on the way, marked as CECH five zero zero one X. Actually, it should be four zero zero one X. The new model is shown as being smaller and slimmer even than the PS3 Slim. Sony refuses to comment on the FCC documents, though. If if this is real, we're likely to see it at either Gamescom or TGS later mm. this summer. How slim? How slim are we talking? The document showed it. Uh, okay. Gold, Goldfarb is like motioning in the air as to like how slim this could be. I think like, it's probably as slim as that laptop. Like Colin would uh -huh. know. That's and pretty slim. That, that is That's quite slim. slim. Quite slim. Uh, well, the I mean, you can see. I mean, we have to just guess based on the documents that that leaked. Um, it looks smaller. 
with and with wise, it, it's it looks like it's probably like maybe a little more than half the size. Of the I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I looked at that document for like five full minutes and had no idea. I, I was like, this how can you not, how can you not see this? It's the the document is a rectangle and then a, another rectangle inside of it to show how big the, the right. But that doesn't tell me about the the, the slimness. That <laughs> yeah, tells me about slimness. like the the width of the yeah, system. Yeah. Can't do that. We'll yeah, we will see. It's gonna be as slim as a credit card. I hope it's. Cool. I hope it's. Uh, I hope it's real. <laughs> I hope it's on the cheap. It doesn't take discs. <laughs> it would be cool if it was like it was like a hundred dollars, like a PS3 for like a hundred dollars, just a really be low awesome. low budget, just like PS3 to like get it out of the end of the cycle. It's yeah. solar powered. <laughs> That's it. Runs That's on it. hamsters. Rupert reports dead. Uh, you left off one piece of information. Nope. Yep. Uh, Dust 514 is coming up. Mm. And if you visit IGN this week, starting Wednesday, you can get exclusive beta access to Dust 514 in an IGN-only event. Prime members get access on Wednesday. Everybody gets access on Friday. And I think it runs through the weekend. So that's what you get, you get out there. Get shoot. Colin, you've been playing the Dust 514. You, you enjoying yourself? It's good. It is really fucking complicated. Yeah. It is really, really, really complicated. Not the gameplay itself, which is somewhat complicated. I'm also fucking terrible at it. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, it's the behind the scenes stuff and like organizing your weapons and your drop suits and all that stuff is fucking complicated. Like I, I I'm interested to see how, how people react to it because I think that it's going to be meaty enough for a lot of people and actually too meaty for others. But we'll see what happens. I would expect nothing less from CCP. The meat you expect, you expect the meat, the meat. Yeah. I, sure, I, I'll take some meat here. <laughs> I thought you were doing a voice and I realized you were yawning. Oh, <laughs> well, with that rousing introduction, <laughs> Colin got the chance to sit down with some, uh, a member of CCP. Yes, David Reed. And here's that interview. It's a lengthy one. Perfect. Beyond, what's up? All right, we're, it, this is very exciting because we talk about Dust514 so much on Podcast Beyond that we have CCP's very own David Reed with us here today. Hey, Colin. Hello, everybody at Beyond. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Um, so we do talk, as I said, an extensive amount about this game, but now we have someone that is working on the game here, and so we, we don't have to speculate anymore. We don't have to make things up about the <laughs> game anymore. Now we can just we can talk about it. So for the people that maybe just started listening to Podcast Beyond or, or you know fast forward through certain episodes where they hear about games that they've never heard about, what is Dust514, David? Sure. So let's just start from the basics. Dust 514, it's a first-person shooter. It is a multiplayer-only sort of experience. There are some single-player modes, but at the end of the day, it's really a multiplayer experience in these massive battles in an MMO sort of environment. And it is different from other first-person shooters you've played in a bunch of different ways. Number one, it is completely free to play. There's no requirement ever to pay any money to us or to Sony in the game at all. Uh, secondly, there's a huge amount of persistence and customization that you'll get. And we can go deep into that, but much like in the PC MMORPG that CCP has published for nine years now, EVE Online, there's a tremendous number of skills that you can learn in the game. You pick skills, you specialize in the type of way that you want to play the game, the fighting, the shooting, the vehicles, those sorts of things. And you get to maximize how you want to specialize in that so you can contribute to your group faster. And the third and the most groundbreaking way, we think, is that Dust514 is set in and is literally connected to the EVE Online MMORPG. So when you think about the fact that EVE is an MMO that's been running for nine years now, the only MMO in existence that's grown every year that it's been around, and now we are taking first-person shooter players on the PlayStation 3, connecting them directly to that gameplay experience set in the EVE universe, and Dust players and EVE players will be able to collaborate on plans for their galaxy domination, and will be able to fight each other with EVE players firing bombs from their PCs 
landing on the battlefields of PlayStation 3 players. Okay, so that's, of course, ridiculous. And that's one of the, the, the greatest things about this game that I think is, is how ambitious and how bold it is. Yeah. And I've said many times on this podcast, and I'm sure Sean Norton knows because he listens to podcasts beyond every week, doesn't he? Sean Norton's uh, in, in the office with us right here. But we don't uh, let him talk to No, him. but he's not talking. He's not mic'd up. No. Don't, don't say anything, Sean. Don't. Uh, so as we, as we say, if this works, and I'm playing the beta and it seems that it's going to work, mm-hmm. this might be the most ambitious game ever created. Yeah. Or at least the most ambitious collaboration of of games and 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 a single universe on a single server yeah. that's ever been created. Well, I want to ask, where did this idea come from? Because CCP has made this this Eve Online, this very technical, very mm-hmm. complicated MMO with what four hundred thousand players now. That's right. It's been around for a long time. Where did where did the idea come from? Where you know they're like, let's make a first person shooter, and we'll make it. In the same universe. Where, exactly. where did that? Where was the seed of that planted? <laughs> well, so start with what has made Eve magic, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of high-profile MMOs launch over the years, and fundamentally, most of them, with few exceptions, they have a they have a good launch, they have a crest in their user base for a while, and then they start to deteriorate very quickly, and they end up at this asymptote of a you know community of players who are hardcore, but it never really quite grows again. And and the reason we think that happens is that the once you get through that initial batch of content that a team of designers have gotten you know meticulously handcrafted storylines and quests and dungeons and what have you, the long tail of the game, the the PvP, the end game, those kinds of things, end up being a little shallow. And Eve Online is completely the opposite, right? We've built a game that is different in two primary ways. Number one, it is a single shard universe. So unlike any other MMO that you pick, where people are playing on different shards, you know, you and I may both play game X, but even though we do, we can never find each other in game because we're on different shards or we're in different factions or we're in different level bands where new players and high level players can't play together. Not so in Eve and only in Eve where everyone is literally playing together all the time because there's only one shard. It lives on what we call the Tranquility Shard. It is a supercomputer based in London that has been growing every year with its in its ability to scale up to the highest peak concurrencies that any servers have had in the world. Our EVE Online peak concurrency record is over 63,000, and that's a world record for number of simultaneous players on a server. So that's the first big difference, the single shard. And then the second big difference is the sandbox style of gameplay, where, again, most MMOs have design teams that create content. They write quest text and dungeons and things like that that players can experience. But at the end of the day, you are following the story of a game designer, whereas in EVE, our design teams create tools that allow you to do more things in the EVE universe. So, for example, the expansion we just released, Inferno, was something that added new things about a new war declaration system when corporations of tens of thousands of people go to war with each other, or new missiles and launchers, adding some visual upgrades to the game, Uh, a mercenary marketplace where people who are ready to be guns for hire in EVE can sell and buy services. That's how EVE has grown. And we know there's something magic there, right? There's something about the sandbox, there's something about the single shard that is just so fundamentally different from anything else out there. And yet the EVE Online moment-to-moment gameplay isn't necessarily for everybody. Not everybody's a PC gamer. Not everyone's looking to do a flying in space kind of thing. And we thought to ourselves, what if we could take that single shard sandbox style and apply it to a different genre of gaming, bring in a whole new audience of people, add them into that interesting alchemy of the EVE universe and see what happens. And that is exactly the genesis of Dust 514. What could be broader in many ways, than a console first-person shooter that is free to play. And now you're going to have millions of people tiptoeing into the EVE universe without having to learn all the arcana of EVE Online and having a play in that sandbox writing their own stories. Okay, and that's that to me is, 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 is fascinating simply because, you know, 
the seed in which this was planted is is inherently ambitious. And it's not like you guys tried to say, like, let's see if this works. I mean, from the get go, it was like this will this must work. And and, you know, this is <laughs> yeah. everything is based on this one this one, you know, ubiquitous experience. And so when did you guys approach or did Sony approach you or when did you approach Sony in, in order to say, we want this to be on PlayStation Network, we want this to be on PlayStation 3, and this is what we're going to do, and this is going to be an exclusive for your console, and somehow we're going to make, we're going to work the magic and have the <laughs> alchemy all going to make this technology work across platforms, which is something that's very challenging and really there's very few games that, that do it. Absolutely. Well, you know, it, it starts with the idea first, do we want to build a console game or do we want to build a PC game? And for CCP, you know, we historically have been a PC-only developer with, with EVE Online. And the idea about making Dust a console shooter really was about the fact that, you know, EVE is a very complex game. No bones about it, right? We joke about the learning cliff. We, we know that people who get through those first few months in EVE really find something very rewarding, but that first few months can be very challenging for people. And the idea about putting the game on the console was to force ourselves into the discipline of, of just sort of chiseling the perfect first-person shooter experience into... The, the limitations, the constraints, the differences that a console gives you versus the idea of let's build on a PC where somebody can just have the, the most gargantuan memory or, or a video card or whatever that you want. You know, developing for a console forces you to think about those things. It forces you to think about using a gamepad for your primary input-output device as opposed to having a keyboard and a mouse. Now, we support keyboard and mouse, of course, in Dust 514, but the, we know that the average person who plays this game is just going to pick up the DualShock on their PlayStation 3, and we need to have an awesome moment-to-moment -moment first person shooter for that person. And so the second part of your question in some ways is why Sony? And, and what we found as we started having these discussions with the console guys was that the idea of what we wanted to achieve with Dust 514 ended up being something that really only was possible on the PlayStation Network. And the reason for this is simply because you have this idea here of, of a vibrant EVE Online universe that's happening already, right? And there's nothing that we can do with Dust that can hamstring that experience for the Eve player, right? We can't, we can't make Dust something that diminishes Eve in any way. It can only enhance it and expand it. And in order to do that, you have to be working with a platform owner who can understand what Eve is about and respect the fact that, for example, in Eve Online, we've got our own voice chat, right? We need to have Eve and Dust players chatting together. Therefore, we're going to have to have a chat system that a Dust player can run on PlayStation 3 that connects to what the EVE player is doing on the PC. Uh, there's, there's more to it, but that's just one fundamental example. There's our, there are virtual goods policies that need to be thought through. There are things about the actual real-time communication of things. You know, when I am playing EVE online in my spaceship and I drop an orbital bombardment on a planet in Dust 514... That's almost an economic transaction in our virtual economy that passes from an EVE Online player through our Tranquility server onto your PlayStation 3's big piece of glass in your house where you see the explosion happen. This is not something we were able to do with any other platform owner than Sony, and we've been very pleased with the partnership. Okay, cool. Well, I think that, as I'm sure you've seen because you read the internet like we all do, <laughs> that people yes. are, are most intrigued by this game. And uh, I've solicited a bunch of questions on Twitter uh, to the thousands and tens of thousands of people that listen to Podcast Beyond awesome. and, and obviously uh, read IGN PlayStation. And while I kind of scrub through those, I want to start with a question that I think is most common. Um, and, you, and you brought it up. Uh, 
just you know, or Eve Online is complicated, and and it's a game that even even though I'm not a PC guy, I played Civilization Five like exhaustively. I think that was the last game I played on PC. <laughs> I'm pretty much a PlayStation guy, but I've been told by Sean Norton and others that that this game's right up my alley, and yet I don't have the time to take like three weeks off from work because <laughs> I know how complicated yeah. the game is. And now that I'm playing Dust Five One Four is beta, and I won't get too into details. Uh, the game's complicated. Sure. It is very complicated. So I mean. Is you know, and you talked about kind of you know that being a barrier. Uh, is that something you guys are, are are getting feedback with the beta, in in which you want to make it easier for people to understand what's going on? Sure, and I think you know a couple things there, right? Number one, it, it's it's not necessarily meant to make the game easier, but let's make it clearer to understand, right? I think is is the goal here. I mean, you know, Dust is a hardcore gamers game. You know, it connects to Eve, which is a very hardcore game. We're not looking to make this experience necessarily easy in terms of, of how that goes, but we do want to make it clear to understand how you play the game in that in that experience. And and part of what we're getting the feedback in, in the beta right now is is actually very encouraging in that there's a lot of excitement for the level of persistence and customization that we offer. That you can really you can really build your own kind of guy in this game. You you know we expect that there will be people who will be, all right, I'm going to be a professional sniper in dust. And I'm only going to pick the skills that make my sniping better. And whatever I do with my armor, whatever I do with the machine gun, whatever I do with vehicles is completely tertiary, no big deal, but I'm going all in on sniper, and that's not something that other shooters will really let you do to the exclusion of other things. Uh, same thing, we, you know, I, I was watching a thread recently where one guy was saying, I'm just going to be a dropship pilot. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to specialize in picking up guys and taking them to different parts of the battle, and that's how I'm going to earn my currency as a mercenary in the game. I... That's not for me, <laughs> you know, as a guy, as a player of shooters, but I can totally see how people, much like they do in EVE, are going to pick their own niches and they're going to exploit them and be great at them. So that level of, of flexibility in the sandbox definitely brings with it a level of complexity that is different from a player who's familiar with Call of Duty or Battlefield or something like that. Once they get into the battle itself, they're going to be right at home, but it's that moment of, let me tweak my drop suit, my fitting, figure this out. And that is something we're getting good feedback on in the beta. So what players should expect who are playing the beta now is that we definitely have our sights on this, and we're looking at a overhaul of the user experience, the user interface, the ways that you go through and pick your skills, pick your fittings, things like that. We're not going to change the core gameplay there, but we certainly can make it easier for people to understand what's the best way to build the fitting that I want to take out into battle. Right. Okay. I mean, that makes sense to me. And I, I think that, um, like you said, I think that the complexity comes with this kind Absolutely. of game. So I, I think it's actually one of the most exciting um, but daunting parts of the game as well. Sure. And it's it's what we're hearing from shooter players, right, is that people are sort of craving a more meaningful experience to these battles, right, as opposed to the endless deja vu of, a you know, I'm on this map again, maybe I've unlocked a new prestige level or hit a new thing in a leaderboard, but there's not a lot of meaning to those fights for the most part. Right, right. Um, so let's get into the questions from yeah. the Beyond audience. Uh, Kevin asks a question that I'm, I'm surprised I haven't really thought of myself, which is, what does Dust514 mean? Where did that name come uh, from? There is a meaning, and you know, there's the, the meaning of dust, and then there's the meaning of 514. So the meaning of dust in a lot of ways, you know, again, you, you can think about the the cycle, if you will, of life, right? The the ashes to ashes, dust to dust part of things, right? That, that you know, uh, war is a never-ending cycle and the, the notion of dust as being part of the name comes from that in many ways. However, it also has a bigger meaning, right? That, you know, the the dust of stars, you know, the the starships, the universe, things like that. So it, it feels like a name that has a lot of, you know, heft to it from that perspective. Then there's the 514 part of things. And the only thing I can tell you, Colin, is revealing what 514 means is something that is above my pay grade. And I am not going to be able to answer that question. Interesting. Most intriguing. There is a meaning. 
We've seen a lot of speculation about it. Uh, we are definitely seeing some people getting very close, but it will not be my decision as to when that is actually Interesting. Announced. So so that's not even an answer that will be, that's not a question that will even be answered in the game. That's a question that's going to be answered when the time comes. I couldn't even tell you that, Colin. Okay. I, I don't know. Interesting. Most know. intriguing. Uh, Jason uh, Justin Dosk asks uh, another interesting question that I care about very deeply as a trophy whore. Um, he wants to know how he's going to obtain trophies in Dust 514. Um, and, and is that going to be somehow, like in DC Universe, connected to paying for the trophies or free ah. realms? Well, you know, we are still working through the very bits and pieces of, of trophies with our partners at PlayStation. Um, not a lot that we can announce on this front yet. But again, at the end of the day, our intentions are not to make anything in the game mandatory to pay for. And, and that pain does not give you an unfair advantage in any way. So we're going to try and take that aesthetic into the trophy discussion. We'd like to think that, you know, as we do, you know, like other, I mean, DCU is an interesting example because as an MMO, they have regular patches. They put out new updates and trophies come as part of those sorts of things. That's a model that we want to follow. But beyond that, I don't have a lot of details that we're ready to share. Yet. Okay, that's fair. Um, and Jeremy Gorner asks, um, if you're planning matchmaking in sense of like low SP characters playing low SP characters, um, he feels like the games, uh, and I'm not even sure if he can really say this, so we could edit it out. He feels like the games in the beta are unbalanced right now. Um, and I think that's okay to say. Uh, but... Is that something that's going to be looked into and rectified? Or oh, totally. This this is exactly what the beta is for. I mean, it's easy to sit there and, you know, the bulk of this team is in Shanghai, but we've got people in Newcastle, UK, and people in our Reykjavik office in Iceland, and even some people here in the States who are working on Dust. And until, you know, all the academic mathematics of putting things in spreadsheets of, all right, this feels like the right amount of damage per second this gun should do versus this suit of armor works really well in theory, and then you got to put it in front of thousands of gamers and see how it really goes. So, so people should know that this is exactly the sort of thing we are tuning dials on all the time and making sure that there's nothing unbalancing. But, you know, by some nature, there will be, you know, and I'll put it in quotes, some things that will be unbalanced. I mean, the idea here isn't that everyone is on an equal playing field in, in Dust 514. You start that way, but ultimately you're going to pick your skill points. You're going to allocate them in a certain way. You could be a better sniper than someone else is a heavy. And as a result, it may feel to that person that you have an unbalanced weapon. In fact, they're just better than you. And, and so that's some of the stuff that you're going to see. But in the end, right, Balancing is very much what beta is about, and and no one should be concerned that what you're seeing now is what you're going to have on launch day. Okay, that's fair. Um, Michael Beginsky asks, uh, what's the plan for the game once it comes out? What, how are you guys going to support it? You talked about DCO with patches and things of this nature. Is Dust going to be something that is going to be heavily and readily supported as you go forward, um, or is it going to be something that you're more trying to bundle together and launch it and then kind of watch and see what happens? Oh, no, we already have big plans for our first big updates. And, you know, again, much like, I mean, people who are familiar with MMOs, they will see a lot of things in Dust that they recognize, you know, things like the way we're running the beta right now of long weekends and bringing people in and increasing the amount before we officially launch. There will be a server wipe of everything that happens in beta, but those of those players who have spent money on a virtual currency will have that fully refunded and will be able to spend it again in the game once it launches. And there will be those big updates that many MMOs have, you know, call it twice a year, three times a year, four times a year, however you do that, we'll be doing the same thing, as, long, as well as the kind of minute-by-minute minute tweaks that you have to do with a live service game, but big patches that come out that introduce a whole lot of new stuff in the game. So as an example, when Dust launches, the battles that you're seeing right now are primarily terrestrial planets, right? Uh, nothing super exotic just yet. And particular types of, of battles, control point seizures, you know, sorts of game modes are pretty familiar. But those are very much things that we are expanding as we go very rapidly. And so we are anticipating some of these big updates happening where you'll get 
new map modes, new vehicles, new play styles, new ways to connect to the EVE universe. Uh, nothing that we are going to charge for, right? None of these things are going to be things that you're going to have to pay for. The, the pay in dust is if you choose to, to customize, to increase your uh, skills and your specializations in certain things, to side grade, but at no point are you required to pay for any of this stuff. Okay. Um, and I know that's what you guys have been saying, and it seems like, because you, you, the, the whole mantra of pay to win is, is really something that you're, you're staying away from. You have to, to, right? I mean, if you're making a first-person shooter, it is, by definition, a skill-based genre, right? And there can't be a situation where somebody shows up who is unskilled <laughs> and, and, say, buys the best gun, best weapon, best vehicle, best drop suit, whatever, and, and tries to, quote-unquote, win dust by simply paying the most. You can't do that in Dust. There is no amount of money that you can bring to the table to give yourself a win. You have to grind up your levels just like everybody else by going through battles. You have to unlock the ability to use weapons and vehicles and armor of superior capabilities, and then you can use your in-game currency or your virtual currency once you've hit a threshold to buy more items of that level that better customize the way you play in the way that you would like to contribute with your team members. Fair enough. Um, Nick Cabazzoli asks a question that I'm most intrigued by because EVE Online has so many interesting stories. And he says EVE, Eve sports all, all sorts of metagame, he, what he calls skullduggery. Sure. Like Ponzi schemes. <laughs> uh, he said, will that be in dust? Does Sony require more oversight? Because I know that with CCP, I know you guys have a, a super hands-off laissez-faire, whatever happens, happens sort of thing. And you see, you know, uh, this, the, uh, yeah. the story about how bank a bank just disappeared, for instance, and took everyone's money, fake money. Yes. Um, and, you know, how, how that was totally allowed and that was really within the confines of the rules of, of EVE. So is something like that even going to be allowed to happen in Dust514? And if so, is that something that even, that's actually an interesting question. Is Sony even concerned about, like, this level of <laughs> lack of oversight with your game? Well, let's talk about that, right? So, so number one, let's talk about, you know, an example of the incident you're mentioning here, which um, you know may very well be the what what those of us who followed Eve online for a number of years refer to as the heist, right? Where you know a, where a number of people infiltrated a corporation that had you know been, long story short, you know a guy in a corporation did wrong to another guy in a corporation, and that other guy said, "I'm going to get my revenge," and it will take an epic period of time, but we will infiltrate that corporation, we will destroy it from within, and we will take all their money, right? Now it's in-game money, it's not real money, but you know at some level because we have a plex currency, this is a Thing that you can buy from CCP directly, which is basically the price of a month of subscription that you can then sell within EVE Online and get an amount of ISK, our in-game currency, on the market. Uh, it's similar to what Terra, for example, announced they were going to do with Chrono Scrolls, where you have an object in the game that you can actually sell for in-game currency. So, so the first part of the question here, right, are the things that happen in EVE Online going to be able to happen in Dust 514? And the answer adamantly is yes. You know, this is part of what we think makes EVE magic is the sandbox, right? You know, I mean, part of having a sandbox is when you walk through it, you leave footprints. You can dig a hole that someone else can fall into. And some people go into sandboxes with their shovels and pails and they make beautiful castles. And other people walk into somebody else's sandbox and knock them over. And, and that's just part of how EVE is played. And it's not something we apologize for. If people break the rules, break the terms of service, if they do things in game that are threatening to other players in a real life fashion, if they misuse certain things, if they, you know, there are rules much like there are in any society. But beyond that, right, the way in which you choose to play the game is based on things like how you build trust with people or how you break that trust. Those things are currencies as much as any virtual currency in the game. But that said, the ISK side of the game, the in-game currency, is very different from the Aurum side of things, right? And Aurum is not a currency that can be traded between people. So there is something there where if you put all of your ISK into a dust bank, 
and the dust banker disappears with your ISK, yeah, you're going to lose some virtual currency in that. So much like anything else in life, make sure you trust your banker if you do that. But with Aurum, that is not the sort of thing that can happen. And we're taking very good care of that to make sure that we don't find ourselves in a situation where we're violating any terms that we've agreed to with Sony on this front, right? You know, again, it is, it's, it's a very real game, but in the end, it's just a game. Right. And we don't expect anybody to make or lose a fortune in real life based on what happens in Dust514 or EVE Online. Interesting. Although it would make it more interesting even if that was possible as well. But that's probably not going to be a very good uh, model for you to keep customers. Um, but I, but Certain I, kinds of customers, it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, not the audience we're looking for. Um, so that kind of brings in a question that I kind of want to work in, which was when I was at E3 and we, we had talked and I yep. talked to other gentlemen at, at CCP. One of the things they had discussed with me was the combination of the economies of EVE Online and Dust514 and how they were afraid that because EVE Online players will be so rich – compared to the players of Dust514, that it will cause an inherent and immediate imbalance in the economies and that there will be hyperinflation in Dust514, and thus you want to keep the economy separate for a while, right? Is, is, that, is that accurate at all? The goal is to, you know, again, none of these things will be done before the betas tell us we're ready for this, right? But the goal is that, think about the current, the economies of Dust514 and EVE Online as being managed under what we'll call currency controls, which is kind of how, for what it's worth, the Icelandic economy is currently being driven, right? That, you know, Iceland had a big banking crisis several years ago. And as a result right now, Iceland is under a certain amount of currency control where the government allows currency in, in and out of the country of the, the Icelandic kroner, which incidentally is abbreviated ISK as well, um, not to be confused with our in-game currency. And, and so there is something there that's taken very carefully to make sure that something like the banking crisis doesn't happen there again. Uh, it's Quite, it's not quite the same stakes here that we're talking about with Destiny, but we are looking at that very carefully as well. The goal is to bring those economies together on the Tranquility server, where all transactions happen in real time with everybody else. But in order to prevent the very problem that you know your readers are talking about there, your listeners, is to take that overtime in the beta and just make sure that we've got this right. I mean, at some level, you know, it's not just the the hyperinflation idea there, but you know, it is the the question of, you know, I could buy a gun in dust and it could be a really good gun, but it better not be the same price as a spaceship in Eve, which is the size of a city. You know, I, we have to make sure that kind of balancing works as well. So those are things that we're very careful about in Eve, and I think people who followed CCP for a long time know that you know, if there's anything we take seriously, it is the in-game economy. We've we've hired a doctor from a Icelandic university who ran the economics department there to run the EVE online economy now. Um, you know, Valve recently announced they hired their own in-game economist out of, out of Greece. So I can only imagine the kind of conversations those two guys could have if we got them together. Uh, but that's how seriously we take this. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, I mean, I think that that in itself shows the ambition and the level of ambition of both games is that, yeah. is that we're talking about hyperinflation in a video game. Yeah, it could happen uh, if you're not careful. Yeah, it's str it's strange and I think strange in the best way possible. So, as we wrap it up, let's let's take a few more questions if that's okay. Absolutely. Um Adam Collins wants to know uh, something that I'm kind of interested in. I know that you guys you guys had announced uh plans for the Vita. Um, yes. And it's not going to be Dust514 itself, but it's going to be something called Neocom, right? That's correct. Um, so he wants to know, uh, he's really looking for a reason to buy a Vita, and will the Dust iteration on Vita do it? So, I mean, what what is Neocom, and how is it going to kind of parlay with 
uh, Dust by One Four on PSN. Sure. Well, first of all, right? You know, again, if if you're if you're looking for reasons to buy a Vita, right? I mean, I think there's we love the Vita, right? And what we are doing with Neocom right now is just what we think the beginning can be of the integration of Dust Five One Four in the Eve universe with that device. It feels like a real good, you know, it's got a good form factor. It's a good third, second screen, if you will, to what you're doing on your big piece of glass with your PlayStation Three and things like that. What we plan to do with Neocom itself is that, you know, if you think about a lot of the out, how would I put this, out of battle experience of Dust 514, you're in your mercenary quarters, you are looking at your your fittings for your drop suits, your vehicles, your weapons, you're looking at your skill trees, you have a certain amount of social capability to communicate with people in EVE Online and on the PS3, building clans together, much like corporations in EVE or a, you know, a guild in another MMO and things like that. Those are the kinds of functions that we want to bring to the Vita. We think that that's a place where, you know, again, if if you're a, a, a really diehard gamer, you don't want to be spending the hours, the precious time that you have in front of your best gaming hardware doing a lot of admin. And you can take a lot of that out of the client of Dust on the PlayStation, bring it to the Vita, and you can be doing that on the bus, on the train, in the waiting room, whatever, as you think about balancing certain things to tweak, you know, let's get that ideal drop suit power CPU configuration together, you don't have to be doing that in front of your PlayStation 3 at a 10-foot experience. You can be doing it in your hands with your Vita. Those are the kinds of things we're looking to bring to the Vita first, but it's a it's a pretty potent device. We think there's a lot of possibilities there as we go forward. Right now, Neocom is very focused on taking some of those early out-of-game, out-of-battle experiences, I'll say, and putting them in the hands of the gamer in different places. Okay, so I can, I mean, I agree with you first of all. I think the Vita is the handheld I've always wanted, and I'm really sad that it's not doing better. But can I interpret what you're saying is, as CCP is looking into doing more with uh, the Vita? I think that's safe to say, and I think it's safe to say that we're looking at doing more with other mobile devices as well. Interesting. Tres interessant, as they would say in, in France, Sean. <laughs> um, so the final question we'll take from, uh, let's see, from the readers. And I think... Um, Hmm. There's like there's a lot of really good, good questions here, <laughs> and since we're only taking one more, um, hmm. make it count. Hmm. Pressure's on. Oh, here's a, here's a good one. He says, please. Uh, Jeremy Lamont says, please, please, in all capital letters. Ask him about move support. Um, <laughs> he says the move implementation is really weird. It can't be final, can it? I don't know because I haven't used it. So what is he talking about? Is this something that has been discussed on the message board? Well, it is. It is. You know, again, like all things, it's in beta, and and so you know, we took. You know, we were in actually the move section of the Sony booth at E3 and felt really good about the implementation we've got there with the sharpshooter. Uh, you know, different people are finding different levels of comfort with it, right? It is a very personal experience with move as opposed to with a dual shock, you know, kind of everybody sitting at that 10 foot interface on their couch. Some people with move get up a lot closer and, and you know, we're just going to have to tweak that as we go. But it is something like everything else in the, in the control experience that we have that people should expect it will be improved and optimized as the beta goes on. So with, without a doubt, the move experience you're seeing now is going to continue to be refined as we go through the beta. Okay, cool. And the final question, because I, I can't ignore this question, and, I, and, I, and I, so <laughs> yeah. this will be really the final, final question, and then we'll, we'll cap it off. That's all right. Sean's um, not mad. It, are you okay, Sean? Okay. <laughs> um, it, Matthew Lindell asks, um, and we've kind of discussed this in a cursory way, but I think he means more specifically, how will the Dust community interact with the EVE community? How much effect will a single match have on your Dust character? And I think, if I may add on to it, how is the EVE community receiving the fact that they are now going to have an entirely new group of people on a different console Absolutely. that are not familiar with the... Uh, the lore and the amount of time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears they put in their game. How do they feel about all that? Yeah, so so let's start with the first part of that. How okay. do the even dust communities actually really interact here? And and part of you know it begins on on a very basic level of the fact that you 
in Dust can chat with players on the PC playing Eve, right? That that it is a single coherent chat experience. You'll know when you're talking with people who are on the PS3 playing Dust or on the PC playing Eve. And that's how some of those social bonds begin. The gameplay mechanic, the primary thing that you do as a Dust player, you're a mercenary and you accept contracts. And as you go into the war barge lobby that maybe, you know, people have seen some of the footage have seen, you know, you've left your mercenary quarters, you've entered a war barge, you're looking at contracts to take. Over time, right, you know, we will have contracts that come from player-controlled corporations. Uh, right now, it's computer-controlled corporations in the beta, and we'll expand that as we connect the universes, literally. But for now, right, it's, it's computer-controlled. But when player-controlled corporations start being able to leave contracts, these are actual players in EVE Online. And they are people who are members of a corporation, for example, right, who are at war with another corporation, as often happens in EVE. Uh, Corporation A is looking at Corporation B, sizing them up for the battles that are to come, and realizes that part of why Corporation B is a tough opponent is they've got a certain amount of resources coming from a ring of planets in a particular side of the universe. So Corporation A decides, we need to put some dust mercenaries on this. We're going to hire some mercenaries to go down to Corporation B's planets, take the control from them, and give us those resources, which will give us an advantage in the battle to come with Corporation B. And now as a dust mercenary, the way that manifests for you, while you're looking at contracts in your war barge, you pick that lucrative contract that is coming from an EVE Online corporation. And the battles that you fight as part of that contract take place on these planets. Initially, right now in Dust, they're all terrestrial planets. But as we expand, as we're talking about patches, you can expect to see gas giants and water worlds and all kinds of crazy places that, that only exist in an infinite universe. And when you do win those battles, you are literally capturing control points on these planets. Capture enough control points, you take over a district take over all the districts on a planet, you've taken over the planet. And the corporation that has control of the planet, a team of EVE and Dust players together, now get the resources from that planet. And that is, yes, how a single battle in Dust 514 can make a big difference in the geopolitical economic landscape of this vast EVE universe of 7,000 star systems, tens of thousands of planets, hundreds of thousands of players with millions of first-person shooter guys about to join them. So that's the first part of the question. Okay. And then how are the EVE players responding to this, right? Well, you know, at a high level, this was something CCP, of course, we were all very concerned about. We wanted to make sure that Dust was something that the EVE players viewed with enthusiasm. But until we could give them more details, it was hard to know exactly how that was going to go. And we were thrilled with the reception that we got at FanFest in March in Reykjavik, where we showed them the game. We gave them a chance to play it. We showed them an orbital bombardment on stage in our keynote for Dust. And people starting to get their brains around this, right, about... This is just another game mode in EVE Online in many ways, right? Instead of simply hiring EVE players and helping and, and doing alliances and corporations with them, now there's this huge group of people that will come into the EVE universe that we can also work with. And frankly, for some people, right, if you've been playing EVE for years, you've become famous or infamous by your actions because in a single shard universe, there's, there's really no way to hide from your own actions and your own reputation. And now if you were famous among hundreds of thousands of players in EVE, with Dust514 you could be famous or infamous among millions of players. And, and so while it's a very delicate balance to make sure we get all of these things right, there are a lot of people playing EVE right now who are very excited about the prospects of what Dust514 does to expand this universe. And frankly, there's plenty of them who are really excited about the idea of dropping nukes on PlayStation players from orbit. Of course, they forget that the PlayStation players will have orbital cannons to fire back, so they need to behave well unless they want to draw that ire their direction as yeah, well. Yeah, a little balance there. Sure. Um, and I will say, just to just to kind of expand on what you said about FanFest or whatever, the video of that happening with the PC guys playing EVE and then 
directly interacting with in real time the guys in Dust Five One Four on the planet or whatever, and people cheering yeah. or whatever it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll embed that in this very article here. Um, so. Now that we have all that information, and frankly, I can talk about Dust 514 for hours, and I can talk about EVE Online, have never even played it uh, for hours, just because Ryan Clements, of course, has regaled me with so many stories, so many fascinating things happening in that universe. When I came to see you guys, I, I left with one of the economic manuals from your doctor yep. uh, that releases every quarter. I read a great deal of it. That is some of the nerdiest shit I've ever seen, and I love it. Yeah. Um, I can't believe that that kind of stuff happens in a video game. It is Really ambitious, really exciting. I think there's a lot of reason for people to be excited about Dust 514. Um, so let's get to the nitty gritty then and talk about what or when we can kind of expect this game to come out. Because I know you guys are kind of learning and iterating on the beta. Um, can we still expect the game this year? Yes. Do you guys have a firm date or is it really depending on what you learn from the beta? Yeah, well, we're, we're confident in the 2012 release schedule. We haven't announced a specific date yet because it would be... We need to see how the betas go a little bit longer just to make sure. But we are feeling very good about 2012 and very good on how our Dust 514 release schedule stacks up with other products coming out on the PlayStation 3. So I can't give you an exact date now, but but it won't be long. But people who are interested can get into the beta right now. And so, you know, the beta has been running in a very closed fashion since December. But when we got to E3, we announced a much larger amount of people were going to be able to get into the beta beyond the FanFest attendees that we brought in from into, into the first couple of beta events. So a couple ways to get into the beta. Um, you know, number one, you can just register at dust514.com and, and take your chances on that. If, if you want to make sure you can get into the beta, you simply buy a mercenary pack. It's your first $20 purchase in the game. It gives you $20 of the virtual currency, a bunch of exclusive digital objects, some permanent and some perishable that you'll use in combat, and access to all beta events, plus the weekends in between our beta events. We've announced four beta events so far, and so having a an all-access pass into those four events and the weekends in between those four events is only something you get with the mercenary pack. And then the third way to get into the beta, of course, is for your listeners and the IGN audience overall, where our second big beta event coming up, not this weekend, but next, the weekend of July 13th, is going to be an IGN exclusive. So all mercenary pack players are in, but beyond that, it's the IGN Prime members getting in on Wednesday, and it's the rest of IGN members getting in on Friday through Sunday. It'll be a big, long weekend, and we look forward to seeing everybody there. Exciting. So pay attention. Go to dust514.com, or just wait if you're an IGN Prime member, or maybe we'll even give away some codes on Podcast Beyond next week. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Um, and I hope we can have you back maybe before the game launches so we can really get into the nitty-gritty, because we've really barely scratched the surface, I think, about Dust514 and Eve, and we'll talk a little bit about... It's about... a deep rabbit hole. It goes as far as you want it to. Yeah, and that's what's most exciting about it. So thank you so much, David. Thank you, Colin, and thank you, Beyond. Yeah. It was good, though. Oh, that, that was, was a great, great one. Wow. Yeah, 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 that was a really good one. <laughs> yes. I like thank you, David. Was, you, had some, you got him on a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you pinned him down. That was, that was, that's what we needed. Pins okay. and needles. So, yeah, keep coming back to IGN.com uh, Wednesday. Get in if you're Prime. You should also just become a Prime member. The best part about Prime, you can turn off the ads on IGN. You don't have to see those anymore. They won't stop you as the roadblocks. And then uh, Friday, if you're just one of these poor kids, you can come in and get it done. <laughs> get it when everybody else gets it. <laughs> all, the, all the poor and tired masses. Yeah. yeah. Mm, trying to get into IGNs. Get the dust access. Get those drop ships. Mm -hmm. Gotta get get the drop ships. ships, son. I would like. I think I'll start a campaign, Colin. Okay. To get you to at least try Eve for like a week. I have an Eve subscription. I just need to yeah. sit down and play it. Let's let's. Get if Greg you wants to give me like two weeks off, I'll take. I'll take. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll sit down and, and figure the game out. How about one week off? Can you get? Can you make that slide? How about like four days? I'm gonna really have like pro days. I probably honestly won't play the game until we get I'm I'm reviewing Dust so I, I and I want to play Eve before I review it so I, there's gonna be a time at work probably where I'm going to have to play Eve, um, 
just so I can familiarize myself with it, especially because apparently the menus and the like the menu interaction stuff are identical on mm. both games. So they looked similar yeah. when I was looking over your shoulder. So we will see. Yeah. Eve. Interesting game. I would love for Eve to come to PS3. That's never gonna happen. Maybe it will. Reader mail. Reader mail. Mail call, reader did, mail. Did we forget something? I, apparently. Yeah. The upcoming list of PlayStation software on older platforms by the IGN editors. Someone just jumping the fucking gun today. Yeah, and his wor- name it's is it's a worthless segment. That's that's what the truth is. Is it a worthless the segment? Is. Then why do we that's do That's what the truth of the matter is. All right, so Are why we don't... changing the show? Is this nah, it? Just, is I'm, this how it's I'm done? just giving a hard time. Okay. What, 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 what came to the stores? What, what do you got in the mom and grops? Nothing on Vita. Grop-mop. Nothing on PSP. Nothing on PS2. Well, this is an informative segment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only retail game uh, is NCAA Football 13. Which right. you gave an eight, eight. Flat eight. Uh, on PSN, that also NCAA Football 13 is also available digitally, as well as Rainbow Moon, Rainbow Moon, Quantum Conundrum, Game of Thrones digitally, Frogger Hyper Arcade Edition, which I hope has eight gold trophies instead of four, like the last Frogger, and Get Up and Dance. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible game that I don't want to play, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> Why do I think that? Because it's telling me to get up, get up, and, and dance. dance. Get your PlayStation moves on your. You put on little. I don't know if I've ever seen Colin dance before, no. but I pay and some hard money. You never to have, see you that. never will. PS One Classic. Mickey Mania, PS2, Handsfree 10K Honda SBK. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> Pick of the week, Rainbow Moon. What'd you give Rainbow Moon? I forget. An eight. Okay. Colin. Yeah. I gotta. We gotta figure this out real okay. fast. All right. So, who in the world, uh, be it a celebrity, a model, whatever, mm. are you literally the most attracted to? You can name anyone. I don't even know. Are we thinking like? The beautiful redhead from Mad Men, or yeah. the yeah, definitely Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger, I fucking <laughs> love. Henry Kissinger. I actually really do like Henry Kissinger. Interesting man. Um, Instinctively, when you think man, honestly, like lately, the the, the woman lately. I'm most attracted to right. is Lady Sybil on uh, on um, Downton Abbey. Okay, so you're telling me that if I told you that I could get you one. Passionate night yeah. with Lady Sybil from downtown Ab- Downton or Down- downtown downtown Abbey. Abbey. <laughs> you wouldn't dance for five minutes on a in a in a club with me. Yeah, of course I would. There you go. So you would. I would dance for five minutes in a club for, with you for a hundred dollars. Nonetheless, a, a, so, a night so, of passion for it. So just, just minutes ago, when you said you would, I would never see you dance. That well, what you're just gonna wield a a hundred dollar bill and give it to me. Cause We're gonna because so, Damon's show is in a couple weeks, and I'll I'll dance there for five minutes with you. you give me a hundred bucks. Can we? Uh, Otherwise, I'll just be drinking on the couch like I usually do there. Yeah. All right. Let's modify this a little bit <laughs> okay. because five a hundred bucks for five minutes of Colin Colin dancing is not entirely a great deal. For what me. about a free drink or two? Yeah. If I bought if I bought two of your rounds mm-hmm. and you danced for fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. That's, that's, fifteen mm, minutes. That's all. That's I don't not how negotiation works. Don't all give right. him less and right. require more. <laughs> 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 the original deal was bogus. All right, ten minutes. You're like the Republicans in the House uh, of Representatives. So that's basically a free, dr- a, a one free drink for five minutes each. So two drinks for ten minutes of dancing. It's possible. Yeah. All right. Let me let me marinate on. All it. right, marinate on it. This is a PlayStation podcast. It's a good one too. We're yeah. having a good show. Yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> you want to do hit of the week now? To, then you want to sure. jump or you know, right, miss right, any right. other segments here? I don't want to miss. All right, hit of the week. Uh, someone reached out to me, Ryan. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is good. We haven't done a good hit of the week. So I included them on the questions, but then they got cut off and I didn't print off oh, their no. page. But I went to the email. So here All right, I go. Good, you're fine. Uh, this one comes from Dan K. Dan K writes in Dear Beyond. 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 
I was just listening to the Sinking Submersible, episode 62 of Beyond, with Colin's first appearance narrating the history of Fracture. <laughs> Great episode. Uh, I'm writing to let you know I bought NCAA football this week with the hopes I could play Greg, knowing this is one of his favorite games, and his formerly wispy board, beard goatee inspired by Geddes. Any chance I could be hit of the week? Of course, Dan K., you can be chance. Uh, he, so there you go, folks. He has the new NCAA. If you're looking for getting in a dynasty, you want to get in there, you want to play somebody, you want to see if you're, you're good, hit up Dan K., his... PSN ID is D2K underscore NW. D2K underscore NW. It's a little wily one. Yeah, that's a weird one. I would keep underscores out of my name. I'm about to I'm about to connect the listeners to the pilot currently circling overhead to give us an update on he's, this. He's, he's been hit. he's been waiting to send a <laughs> Sir, sir, go ahead. Go ahead. What's your status? He's apparently lost his mind. He's he's not even intelligent. That was was good radio chatter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the raccoon up here. Recently, all of them have just been various animals getting into the helicopter. It's like, why do you allow these things into the the helicopter before you take off? PSN hit confirmed. There you go. I miss the old mics. Yeah, I know. The old uh, mics made it so good. I, quickly, I want to do just the tip. Just the tip. Just, the just tip. to uh, just to alert everyone that in a ten day period, I received three platinum trophies, all legitimate platinum trophies. Assassin's Creed two, Prototype two, and then Crisis. Oh, Crisis. And very now I'm very playing, impressive. And now I'm playing Spec Ops: The Line. Maximum I also sink trophies. my I, I, maximum trophy. I'm also. Uh, creeping on greg and greg's gonna be really busy for the next three weeks so you can fucking take it to the bank yeah he's it's colin's getting ready to pass me again uh that i'm gonna pass you and i also want to just i'll be back i also just want to call you out that i i lost most of my rainbow moon trophies because greg intentionally broke our debug machine so that i could not sync them because then i probably would have already passed greg put a peanut butter jelly sandwich in there but then it's not like i said i put a penis in there either one broke the system. You, you can. I put them both in there, and I don't know which one broke it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. I, would, would that have pushed you that far ahead? Well, the, the one. I mean, you, I, I have like I, like what fifteen twenty on you right now percentage. No, yeah, maybe. I, I probably would have gotten another six or seven percent off the Rainbow Moon trophies, which I don't don't have. See, here's my problem: is that I'm I want a platinum Spider Man, mm-hmm. and I want a platinum Lego Batman. All the heavy lifting on those is done. Now it's just doubling back and doing little things. Spider Man, especially. I just need to go back to eight missions and get all the collectibles. But I'm yeah. You said I leave for Comic Con tomorrow. I come back and then I leave for Chicago next week and then I'm gone for a whole week and a half. Oh, that's gonna be good. So I'll get those later, I guess. Um, I'll have the Vita. Maybe I can, yeah, 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 maybe you can get trophies. Uh, while we're while we're talking trophies and yeah. while we're talking Vita, yeah. Um, and while we're, platinums, man, this is, this is really good. I'm on topic. Uh, unit thirteen. I'm like four trophies away from the platinum, but they're all high value targets. And in order for me to get those high value targets, I need the stars and the regular missions that I'm just way too bad to get. So if there's any listeners who are really good at Unit 13 and want to play co-op with me and carry me through while I miserably shooting <laughs> <laughs> the walls, uh, let me know because uh, yeah, I want to I do that. I want to platinum that, I think. Garfep on Twitter. That's that's me. Garfep. Uh, couldn't you also, you can get them through Nier, right? Like, can't you unlock Yeah, that but one? like. You should go around Nier and up for a day. Just walk around the city. Yeah. That's what um, happens in the commercial. 
Am I going to get... Hello? Do I have to... I don't even understand how near it. Am I going to need to pass someone who has already word. played He's Unit like 13? That's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> trying to use that yeah. phone. Vita, fine. Oh, I value near targets. <laughs> to help you pass Greg, I could near you and you could take all my Xbox. high value targets I have already because I have six of them. Word. Yeah, I only unlocked a few of them. It's, it's, it's a gold cool. trophy. or No, it's a silver trophy Every for time each you one, kill one yeah. and then a gold if you beat them all. It's actually quite the accomplishment to get as far as you've gotten because yeah. that, that game's that game's hard. Yeah. I Actually, I fucking really love unit 13 though me too it's um, great i still think that's one of the best vita games so yeah reach out to garfep on twitter if you can help him help him help him. we Please can't help me. we can't do that because uh you have my copy of unit 13 well i'll i'll buy it i mean no no you don't have to buy it it's not necessary no buy it if you want i mean i don't care if you really like it, you should buy it yeah you have my copy of rayman we can trade back okay we're all right back to reader mail now we got it all out of our system yeah yep uh we're gonna piggyback off something you just said buy it if you like it mm. Robert writes into beyond at IGN.com, just like you can. Hi, Robert. I have yet to purchase Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, but played the demo and loved it. With the recent closure of 38 Studios, would you guys, specifically Colin, still recommend buying it new? Who gets the money now that the studio is effectively shut down? Mm. Also, could Ryan do the Cypher Filton voice? <laughs> it cracks me up every time I hear it. Beyond. Beyond. Do you want to go first? Yeah, what, do I, what, should I, what does Cypher Filton have to say about this he's, matter? He's That's not happy with the raccoons. I just don't understand how these raccoons keep getting into the helicopter. <laughs> Did I do the face again? No, that no, was, that's you, almost look, yeah. you almost look away. I, I do from look me away. I, I, don't, I don't like the face. You don't like the face at all. <laughs> um, per Amalur, so this is I, someone asked me this on Twitter, and it might have been the same person. the The money's going to the same group, whether the comp- this developer's alive or not, because the studio funded the game, and or, or the rather the publisher funded the game, and so the publisher gets the money, um, and then pays uh, the developer whatever sum of money is in an agreement. Um, and it might have just been a lump sum for all I know, and then they just EA gets all the money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously EA is getting all the money now, but EA was probably getting all the money even when Thirty Eight and Big Huge Games were still alive. So yeah, you figure that's it's, just the way it goes. Yeah, it's uh, it, the relationship between publisher and developer is they you know they they fund the developer to make the game and then pay them for making the game like it's i don't i don't know we don't you know we are not privy to everybody's contract it it would be weird to me if it was one of those things where there was all these clauses in everybody's contract that you were getting constant payback for that right like it's like yeah, not, not you made the game like that. here's your money yeah and now our relationship's kind of over we're taking your product now we're selling it so. i mean for a studio that like a really established studio i'm sure it's very different but for yeah, like course, if ea went to these guys and were like this is an, a new ip you've never made a game before and we're gonna fund you but we're not gonna you know you'll get x amount of money yeah to you know plus maybe plus a bonus if it sells a certain amount of money or whatever but you know i, I you know maybe it's different for a studio like insomniac or something you probably have different deals i don't know i still think it's worth buying new though don't you think yeah sure i mean i, I don't think contribute to the legacy of the game sales that and i think that you know ea deserves the money too ea is the one who fronted the money ea yeah. is the one that took a risk with the game ea own probably owns the license now and this is what we're always talking about like you know how we were like the other week that dead space Three has to sell what is it five million copies if they want to make Dead Space Four. It's like if you want to that's see awesome. companies take chances, they have to see the return of their investment, right? That's why, like, that's why if nothing had gone wrong and you know Big Q James was still around, Thirty Eight was still doing their thing, they'd be encouraging you to buy new, even if they weren't getting money anymore. Because if the game sells well and it has legs and stuff, then EA is going to go, oh, this is selling really well. Still, there's a fan base here. Let's get them to make another game. Yeah. Also, totally separately from everything, um, just buy it new because then you get the the DLC with it. The online pass thing is, is day one DLC. So you would have to buy that if you bought it used anyway. And there's two complete 
uh, DLC packages as well. Sure. On top yeah. of that, I Pirate, believe, there's right? Pirates and then the other one. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't as good. Pirates is really good. Um, and you know what? Now I just really want to go back and keep playing Amalur. Amalur is awesome. Well, and Pirates has game. trophies now too, right? It yeah, they patched that back. Yeah. Yeah. Amalur is one, easily one of the best games of the year. Uh, I will say that... Did it come th- out this year? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It seems like it was so February. February, yeah. Um, oh, Lord Jesus. I will say this, though, about the Dead Space thing, having to sell 5 million copies. First yeah. of all, that's fucking absurd. Yeah. That's that's way too much money invested in that game, and I will be shocked if that game sells really even half of that number. So I, I don't, I don't, I think Dead Space is. Uh, I could be wrong, but I feel like Dead Space, like the Dead Space cachet, like the Dead Space popularity, is actually on the down. Yeah, I can see. That. And I, I, especially with after I haven't played the game, but having seen it, it looks like it's becoming more generic and more of like a third-person cover-based shooter, and it's got like all this multiplayer stuff, which I know you don't have to use and stuff like that, but I think that's going to turn the core Dead Space player off because, like I've said before, Dead Space, the original, is the epitome of what Dead Space could have been, and I think they're kind of going off the deep end with that, but we'll see. I hope it does do well because that's obviously a very talented studio, but I just don't think Dead Space 3, like anyone really cares about it like they cared about Dead Space 2. You know, Dead Space 2 is like hyped. Uh, I just don't feel like that's the case with this game. True. But I could be wrong. When's that coming? Is it coming out next year? Like, uh, or do they give it any kind of release date? Now? I have no idea. I think 2013. Yeah. Okay. I just, if it comes out this fall, then it's definitely not. It's gonna not. No, no, it's go. not this year. I, I meant more like are they trying to follow up? Like how Dead Space Two came out in like January yeah. that year. I didn't. That's know. a good time for those games to come out. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of games Q1 right now though. There's like ten big games that are Q1, and probably GTA Five also. I just remembered that uh, cartoon. Was it? I don't. I forgot which uh, community <laughs> member did it of the one. You're. What was it? The Iceman game, or oh, Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer. Yeah, Ice Hobby did it. Yeah. Iceman's a real hero, though, right? No, isn't he, is. he an X Men? And the X-Man? shark. Yeah. All right. And the, the shark. He <laughs> can't believe his life. He can't believe his life. Changes, changes his ways. God, I, love I love the way that. your mind works, Colin. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just thinking about it. <laughs> I was just bored with the conversation you guys were yeah. having about Dead Space. I started well, playing <laughs> cartoons in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how it works, all the time. All right, we got a reader mail here from Nick. He has a bunch of choices for you to make. Is it Nick Cannon? No. Oh, this wilding out though. Nick, this Nick's wilding out though. All right, Ghost of Andrew Goldfarb. If you could only have one of them in PlayStation All Stars, which would it be? Connor from Assassin's Creed Three, Big Daddy, or Cloud? Oh God. Um, he has. These are all horrible choices. None of the above. <laughs> well, I mean, Big Daddy. <laughs> Okay. Got to support. We're dead. I'm sorry, we've never played Bioshock. <laughs> no, Pimp Daddy. Pimp Daddy. <laughs> Colin. Mm. If you can only play one of them, which would it be? Assassin's Creed 3 or The Last of Us? <laughs> the Last of Us. That, that seems like an easy one that for was, Colin. That, that was an easy one for Colin. He, he, you didn't like Assassin's Creed 2. You just played it. Assassin's, I played on Assassin's Creed 2. That game is rough. But yeah. Uh, made me about 10 times less excited for if Assassin's you Creed could, So if you could summarize all of your dislike for that game into a single defining statement, what would that statement be? I thought you were going to say one word. I was like, that's not no. A single defi- defining statement. Um, great everything in the game except for really poor gameplay like the the you know the characters are great idea is great the environments are great i like the game it's a meaty game uh good voice acting etc and so on um really pretty shitty gameplay shitty combat shitty parkour like that game i think people are making some serious fucking excuses for the way that game plays and and i i used i said that back when the game came out and i i gave up on it i fucking platinum that game 
So I, I think I have every no, right now to say. Shake. Yeah, I think yeah. I have every right to say that that game is rough around the edges, and I really hope that Assassin's Creed Three doesn't play anything like it, or I'm going to be really fucking pissed. So what what we've seen of Assassin's Creed Three, the combat's super like fluid, so you're not like stopping and pulling out which weapon you and want. Like you're just sitting there with your sword out, waiting for somebody to attack you yeah. so you can reverse <laughs> exactly. it and kill them. Like you're just cutting through dudes. It looks like it's a lot faster this time. I hope so. But even the parkour is like, I mean, not that I don't think parkour is going to be like a big thing in Assassin's Creed Three since there's like not as many buildings and stuff but man that shit was weak i mean you you scared me now though i might go back and play assassin's creed 2 i don't get it i'm just gonna say i don't get i don't get that game i don't get it it's just one of those games where i'm like i don't understand why this game's popular i haven't played it since it first came out that year was like my game of the year but now now you have me second guessing myself don't second guess but you know give it if you like it that's great uh clearly i'm in the minority on this you know somehow greg If you had to choose between never eating Fortellos again and switching to Xbox, which would you take? I mean, you, you did you did one of the yeah. shrugs like it was so easy, but now you're thinking about yeah, it. Like, well, you know, I, I misread the question first time around. So now, now that so I'm, now, you, now, you now that it, I actually have to think it about it, choose between never eating Fortellos. I mean, I would switch to Xbox. I, I gotta eat Fortellos. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta I gotta have that Italian beef, that hot dog. I'd still be writing about video games. That'd be fine. Yeah. Everything's cross-platform these days anyway. Yeah, there you go. But but then, keep in mind, if this switch happened now, you would never play The Last of Us. I would play it in front of you. Well, no. No, no, no. Yes. I, it's, there's nothing in here would you never you never get to play PlayStation games again. No, I'm I would. Sure I, would was... I, I would lead the Xbox but you never team. Play, but you never play Xbox now, so you would have to assume no, that... No, no, no. When, they ha- when, they have an, when Xbox me, has an exclusive, I dust off my system and plug it in and play So, it. like, once every other year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you had to choose between never eating Portillo's again and switching to Xbox, to me that sounds like you are just switching, like you are an Xbox gamer now, you don't play PlayStation games anymore. No Vita, no PS3, no Orbis. You join the Xbox team, it's switched to Xbox, you are Xbox now. Okay. No Sucker Punch games, no Naughty Dog games, no Ben games. I play Xbox games, though, and I'm PlayStation now, so I don't understand. I'm going to call you out on this one a little bit, just because... Okay, okay. Let's let's just fucking revamp the question, all right? (laughs) So the question now, if you you have to choose, you can never eat Portillo's again. Or you permanently switch to Xbox And can't play any PlayStation games again. Exclusively, yes. Okay. You can get a goddamn ballpark hot dog and fucking call it a day. The organic sausage joint. That's true. That's true. I don't, I don't get to eat a Portillo's a lot now, I guess. So I want to be losing. But it's my heritage. It's like it's like saying you can never go home again. Get a goddamn Hebrew national and fucking call it a day. Yeah, I'd probably still switch. I'd still switch to Xbox. Do my trophies? Wow. Ca- do my trophies carry no, over? No, no, they don't. No. They don't commute over. Become because that's how it works. I've only seen you play Xbox like well, three times in the fucking way. universe, know, in the pantheon where okay, these horrible exactly. things are happening. <laughs> yeah, you've only seen me play when there's something to play on there. Yeah, I, I haven't beaten a game on Xbox since Shadow Complex, so I'm you know yeah. There's so, oh Fez, I still need to play Fez. That's the well, that's yeah, the I one. Think that's like come, I think that's gonna come over. Well, sure, but it'll be three years from now. Uh, and then Ryan, yeah, what's your favorite non? RPG Western, i.e. Europe American, not Red Dead Redemption. Although I suppose you could Whoa. say Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> what the fuck kind of caveat is that? So he pasted in the fine print. All right, what is your favorite non-RPG Western game? I.e. Europe American, not Red Dead Redemption. Oh, he means like not a Western, like a oh, Red Dead. Although oh, I suppose oh, you okay. could say Red Dead Redemption. Okay, gotcha. Um, He's really shoving Red Dead Redemption <laughs> in your head. That's a mm. fucking fantastic game, by the way. Red Dead? Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, it really depends on, you know, like the time and what I'm in the mood for. Because my, I don't really have favorite games. I have a bunch of games I really love. Like, example, most recently, I was totally hooked on both Diablo 3 and Saints Row the Third. So, and they're both, you know, those are both American developed. So, gotcha. let's just do some examples. Yes. Andrew Goldfarb okay. has his hand raised. <laughs> Andrew Goldfarb from IGN, what is your question? <laughs> um, similar to your bet with Colin, how about I will buy your first two rounds of Damon Show. All right. If you'll take home Bioshock and PS3 and just start it and, and see how far you get. Oh, I, I mean, I would love to go back and play Bioshock. So, I mean, that's not, that's it's pretty totally easy. worth it. Do I want to play? I, I kind of want to just. You don't want to just jump to Infinite. No, you want to no, play No, I, I know that. I'm just saying I kind of wanted to play on PC, even though. Oh. Just because it might look a little better. It's super cheap on Amazon. It's like two ninety nine or something. Oh, okay. Well, I can just play on PS3. You know, you can shake your head all you want, but I'm going to do what I love to do. Do what you got to do. Yeah, your man. goddamn mouse. Oh, I'm using my mouse in my 128 key controller. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, you fucking you nailed the Moriarty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm sweating after that one. Uh, How do I stop sweating? How do I sweat? <laughs> Why great. do we sweat? I think command prompts are going to record in here a little later if you want to be on their podcast. Yeah, maybe I will. Uh, we'd certainly be more welcome. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, I would love, I would love to. Should we actually do this? Should we do? Sure. Uh, okay. Bioshock's a must play. If yeah. you're maybe this if weekend, you're past the halfway point by Damon Show, I will buy you. It's it's like an eight hour game. You'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. And it, but it, and it, does it have to be on PS3? No, no, no. Any system you want. I'll see how cheap it is. Like, where's the cheapest I can get it, and then I'll I, do it there. I think Amazon. You can buy a dual pack for. Like I think seven it's like bucks twenty bucks. Yeah, and I think it's like twenty bucks on PSN. Well, I wonder what it is on Steam. Steam. Probably much yeah. cheaper than that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sean writes into beyond at IGN.com. Hi, Sean. Hi. Is it Sean Ryan, the creator of the shield? <laughs> are, you, are you playing <laughs> Sean? Are we talking to Sean now? You're like a medium. <laughs> <He's here. laughs> He's like shaking in the chair. <laughs> all right, all right. That's good. In, in honor of Metal Gear. <laughs> talking to Sean. T-shirt on. <laughs> what is Sean have to say, Greg? What is Sean telling you? I hear waves. Okay. Give me this favor. Where, where is it? Where is it? Beyond crew, including Cypher Felton. All right. And I... <laughs> In honor of Metal Gear's 25th anniversary, I have two quick-fire questions for each of you. 
Oh, God. No. How, how do you want to do one and go around the room and then do the other one, or should we do yeah, that? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. First, what is your favorite memory of the series? Are you with us? Are you with us I'm again, back, I'm back. I'm back. Right. I've expelled the Sean Spirit. First, uh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I misread. Uh, what is your first memory of the series is the first question. And then the second question is, what is your favorite memory? And we're going to go around for one. So the, the number first one is, memory, yeah. what's your first memory of the series? My first memory of the series is uh, me and Poe. Back in the day, went to Blockbuster Video and rented that in Army Men. And we came back and played Army Men. I said, oh, man, Army Men sucks. And then we put in Metal Gear and sat there for like four hours and just played nonstop. We'd switch the controller off. He was a good sniper. I was never a good sniper, so he, we got to do that. My first memory is when uh, Justin Paparella invited me to sleep over at his house and then play fucking Metal Gear the entire time and wouldn't do anything else. <laughs> Really passive aggressive memory. <laughs> Man, Justin Paparella, you can go, <laughs> go to hell. Uh, my earliest memory of Metal Gear is playing the original Metal Gear on NES um, mm-hmm. with my neighbors. They were three brothers um, and my brother, and we'd all play together. We'd all like, sit in the bedroom and play together. And uh, I remember like how hard and like ludicrous the game was. And like it's, it still really is like the dogs are just chasing you. You just have to take random trucks to just different places. You have no idea where the fuck you're going. <laughs> Holes just open up in the middle of like <laughs> corridors, and you just fall into it. Um, so that was my, my original memory, and I I remember like when Metal Gear Solid was announced. I'm like, why are they bringing this back? Because mm. it's it, the original was not very good. But now that I go back and play the original one, of course, it is actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know the feeling you get when you're young and you're and you're hiding under like a bed or in a cardboard box, like you make a fort, and it's that safe feeling you get where you think that you're completely invincible, and no one can ever find you. That's the feeling that I. <laughs> that's like the, a slow jam. That's the. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. That's the feeling that I get when I would that very first scene when you're um, when you come out of the the water uh, in the beginning of Metal Gear right. Solid and you like wa- and you and you sneak under that big like metal container and that's literally like the first little bit of sneaking you do and you see like the guy's feet like walking back and forth. I felt like a little kid underneath the kitchen table, looking out at those feet. Okay. My first memory. So now we'll, go, we'll whip back the other way. Right. What is your favorite memory of the series? Mm, favorite memory. Mm, that's a tough one. <sighs> Sean, put you to your paces. I love, I, I, I really, we were just talking about this recently. I love when you are in the cardboard box and then a guard will come up to you and you're in the middle of a goddamn snowy field and he's like, it's just a box. And then he like turns around and walks away. That's my favorite quote. Like quote, It's just a box. Just a box. Like, yeah, I guess it's just a box sitting out here. And he doesn't even bother to open it up. Dumb idiot. He is a dumb idiot. Snapped his neck. <laughs> I hope he took his dog tags first. Um, my favorite memory, I think, is is I, I got Metal Gear Solid for Christmas in 1998. And uh, I went to the mall the day after Christmas. It was like a fucking shit show. Smith ha- Smith Haven Mall in Long Island, New York. And I went to the video game store there. I was with my sister to get a DualShock controller. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can play the game. Yeah, and uh, so that like that memory has always stuck with me because that's when I got my first Dual Shock. Um, but my favorite in-game memory, of course, is uh, meeting Fat Man um, <laughs> at, on the helipad uh, in Metal Gear Solid Two, um, and he's just skating around, talking shit, drinking like Merlot or something like that. <laughs> I still like to think it's just like he's got like a hurricane. It's some like some weird girl drink. Mixed I, up. I love that. I love or that. Midori ca- I love that. I, I honestly love that character, and so I, I think uh, that. In game, that would be my. I my love that Colin has this infatuation with Fat Man. <laughs> infatuation. Every time people are talking, <laughs> I 
hate you. Every time we're talking about Metal Gear moments or when we were brainstorming for the top 25, you know, me- Metal Gear moments. And <laughs> top Colin's 25 like, Fat Man moments. Colin's <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't put Fat Man on there. I'm going to call somebody out. <laughs> Something like that. It's so funny. I don't think he gets a lot of love. That's all. That's yeah, true. He doesn't. He certainly doesn't. He does he's lately. The most outrageous of all the villains. And this is a game that had a. Yeah, he's more outrageous than the woman that can't be shot by a bullet. She or the cool, guy though. that carries around a Gatling gun the size of a tank. And he was cool, though. Yeah, they were both See, Fat cool. Man was just, like, admittedly not cool. He was like, I'm a fat guy <laughs> and that's in kinda, a big coat, and I got rollerblades. That's kind of <laughs> what made him cool. And remember, like, the, the the point in the game where I... So I don't remember the game. I'm just remembering sort of this theme, this moment of when the guy is talking to Raiden about Fat Man, like, and you're hearing about it, and you're kind of, as a player, you're sitting there like, this doesn't... When he's like, you know, he's called Fat Man, and he drops <laughs> Round on rollerblades, he's gonna blow your ass up, and you're like, it doesn't sound so bad. He's like, is he fat? So he's an actual fat man? Is that it? I don't get it. It's a code name. I don't understand. He's an explosives expert. He explosives made an atomic expert. bomb when he was a kid. No. Yes. Atomic bomb. Yep. That's the that's the war. That doesn't that that's doesn't sound right. They, I guarantee, one hundred percent guarantee you that is you in the game. You guarantee it. Yep. Just like Men's Warehouse Man, you guarantee it. I, I guarantee it. I would All love right. you to write some fat man fan fiction. Like the Sadly, story. it probably wouldn't be the first one. <laughs> but they say that the um, what's the guy's name? The explosive, the cop that they bring yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, uh, Stillman. Carl Stillman. Winslow. C- Carl Winslow. <laughs> God, how awesome would that be? <laughs> Carl Winslow just shows up <laughs> right. with that. What's that lieutenant that like is a dick? You know, oh, yeah. I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, his boss or whatever. Anyway, yeah, they talk about it, and they, they, he's telling Stillman's telling uh, Iroquois Pliskin about Fat Man, and he says that like he built an atomic bomb when he was like a kid. Hmm. Doesn't, I don't even think a kid would have access to the to materials the, to necessary. The, to the fissile <laughs> materials necessary. <laughs> like, go for it. What do you got for me? Mm, you're not going to like my answer, kid. guys. Uh, so I've never played Metal Gear 3 and or 1. Like, I, I just played Metal Gear 2. All right. Um, Metal Gear was, Solid 2, you're saying? Yes. Okay. And it was a really long time ago, and I remember nothing. But I'm going to be playing on the Vita soon. So, hey. so come back to me in like two weeks. All right. Double All the right. trophies. Yep. And then uh, my favorite memory for the series, I mean, Metal Gear has always held a special place in my heart since that first night with Poe. And uh, <laughs> uh, I think, it's honestly, deep. my favorite memory from the series was probably reviewing and playing Peace Walker. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, that was really cool. Like, that, that was a event that, like, if it wasn't for a franchise I loved in a game that was awesome, it might have been weird, but it, but it was like, it was a two-day event that we did at a hotel where we just play like... I check. I left everything at work, and I went to this thing. And me, me and Sam Bishop and a bunch of other games journal, journals just sat in a room with two Konami representatives and played Metal Gear for sixteen hours. You know what I mean? That was awesome. That was a ton of fun to do. Awesome. And then like to then they handed you money at the end. Then they gave me my money hat and said, "This is what the score we'd like you to give it." And I said, "Of course." Uh, and but then even after that, continuing to play that, and you know, long after the game was beaten, still going on the outer ops and doing that, and recruiting. I used to like every, we'd be on Muni and like going to somewhere, and I'd be pinging random Wi-Fi signals to get new soldiers and stuff like that. That was just awesome. That was really well done. I really wish they'd bring that to Vita with the trophies. Peace. Have sex with that sixteen-year-old. That's right. <laughs> That's the, what? That's the real thing. There's this, <laughs> there's this girl. Pauses. What? There's this girl named Paz in Metal Gear Peace Walker. She's oh. 16, and you can have sex with her. Oh, really? Yeah. But she's not actually. 16. Spoilers. People can come to that on their own conclusion. Hmm. Sounds a little absurd. But Big Boss Fat thinks man. for sure she's 16 when he's nailing her, and you can see her in her underwear. So there you go. You got that. Is Fat Man in the game? No, there are no fat. 
Thank you, Goldfarb. <laughs> for the high five. Anytime we talk about seeing a girl in their underwear, Goldfarb's got a high five ready for me. <laughs> yeah. It's just underwear. how we do it. In the middle of Gravity Rush, I high five myself. <laughs> she, oh, yeah, right. I'm sure you do. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> I, we want to say hi to Joel Young. Okay. Hey, hey Joel Young. How are you? Hi. All right, good. Andrew, his friend, wrote in to beyond.ign.com. He had a question. Uh, I was looking to upgrade my PS3 hard drive, but was wondering if there was a size limit to the drive. E.g., it won't recognize drives with more than, say, 500 gigabytes of hard drive space. I've never heard of such a thing. No, I think you could put a terabyte in there if you want. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Laptop I mean, there drive, would be, super easy to do. You don't want to get too ridiculous with it. Like, Let him live his life, man. All right. I say, I say get it. as ridiculous as yeah. humanly possible with it. Put some... A petabyte some, drive Put, put a PB&J in there. A petabyte? Yeah, one or the other and That's see what breaks it. And then he asked for a favor, too, in which we already did. Could you please give a beyond shout-out to my heterosexual life partner, Joel Young? He sits six feet away from me at work, and it'd be hilarious to see his jaw drop when he hears his name. He got me into IGN through Knocking Boots, then Scoop, and now Beyond. I've since become an IGN addict. Well, thank you so much, Joel, for getting the un, uh, uninformed Andrew to finally come to the best website and listen to the best podcast. It's a great name. Joel Andrew? Young. He's from Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. That's, that's a good... Waterloo. I like, I like how that rolls off the tongue. Is that where Napoleon lost? I think so. It's mm. where he was fighting the French. Oh, he's fighting the French. Yeah. Oh. And In they, Canada. They, see, they need, the problem was that they needed the Native Americans <laughs> to help out. So they, they, they did one of the... <laughs> like you the know, rain dance? <laughs> I love the. So they did one of these dances. I've seen, I've no, seen. no, they built a ball. Uh, they got in <laughs> and they rolled here. They rolled over the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, well, the waves were going their way. It was like a big so it's like ball. so the jet stream reversed itself. <laughs> yeah, and they were able to come over from Europe to to North America, no problem. Yeah, but they they were still fighting the ball. They were fighting in the ball? <laughs> On the way over here? Yeah. And how long did it take him to get here? Oh, uh, you know, a couple hours. <laughs> so the ball was traveling fa- about as fast as the Concorde. Yeah, that's about right. That's about right. That all, that all checks out. So they were fighting in the ball? This all is right. alternate history. This is what I love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this is some well-researched alternate history for you. I'm still cracking up. At sh- I know. Sh- I try not to think about it. I try not to think about it. Anthony writes in. He says he's from the Beyond Nation. Colin. Mm. What's your favorite film relating to American history or politics, either factional? I'm sorry, either fictional or fact-based. That's hard. Um, Gettysburg, Red Dawn, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The Patriot, Red Dawn. Okay. Mm. And uh, what was that? Uh, Ives, uh, Ides of March. Oh, Ides of March was good. That was a, that was a good yeah, recent that one. one. Yeah, it was a good one. That's a hard. That's a hard question. I've never a seen lot of Red Dawn. Them. Should I watch Red Dawn? Uh, yeah. You can go to the midnight showing with Colin because yeah, he gonna... thinks there's going to be one. <laughs> It's <laughs> the only movie I care you to see. will be the night. only two in the theater. <laughs> Goldfarb, you're a great addition to the Beyond crew. Thank what you. movies can we see you eating SF Soup Co. in? Well, none. What, what movies are you in if you wanted to see you in the background? Um, Sherlock I mean, Holmes. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes, I'm visible in. Um, it's like the ones I'm really visible in are the, the worst ones. The better the movie gets, the less likely you are to see me unless you're going frame. But I mean, you can look for me in Indiana Jones. You can look for me in. Uh, the, your blog, they can find too, right? And that lists all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, if you go to my Twitter, there's a link out to it. It has a bunch there of you. Uh, what was the one we wa- saw recently at Greg's place when we were on Netflix? The Jeff Goldblum one? Morning oh, there Glory. were two of them. So we saw a winning season and then we saw Morning Glory, yeah. <laughs> I love that we were like, there he is! Yeah. <laughs> Freaking out. Oh, and the, the God, recent one is The it. Sitter with Jonah Hill. You can see me pretty well. Oh, really? Yeah. God. 
Well, you were working here when that one came out. Why don't we go see it in the theater? I don't know. Well, I think Jack did. Well, well, I meant we could just go out to find you in the Oh, uh, well, yeah, we, we should have. Okay. Uh, Greg, I've never watched Smallville, but thinking about get, giving it a try. Is do there it. anything significantly different from the comics in the show? I mean, yeah, they do their own thing with it, so there's a lot of differences. But you'll enjoy it. It's fun. It's one of the best interpretations of Superman. I feel like if you're going to watch Smallville, um, there's a list somewhere online. There's a blog that has like all the episodes you should watch. and there's Because there's so many you there's can so skip. There's so many horrible episodes. There's so many like Freak of the Week episodes you don't need. But like, if, just Google like best Smallville Season two is awesome. I mean, it'd, it'd be weird the to watch two them. seasons. It'd be yeah. weird to watch them out of context. So it's worth watching the high school ones for sure, sure. because you need well, them. Yeah. But like some of the post-high school ones don't even end up mattering. And yeah, like, yeah. There, there are intermittent ones you need to see as part of the mythology. But yeah. yeah. Hey, Greg. Yeah. Just got a quick question for you, sure. big guy. How's the review of every Smallville episode going? <laughs> it's going. Your blog? It's going. <laughs> I, I got two up. All right. <laughs> How many more have you got to go? I, I It's one of those. I, I, I look at the box set because I have it there on the shelf every time I'm doing something in the living room and I'm like, man, I should probably just concede the victory to you on that one. If it, Beyond fans don't remember, <laughs> I got the box set of Smallville and it's like nine discs or whatever. And it's way more than that, actually. I forget how many episodes it is. It's like a few like hundred. hundreds. Right? Yeah, it's it's hundreds or whatever. Yeah, and uh, I said I would. I was thinking about reviewing each one for my blog, and Clements bet me a pizza and a six pack of Blue Moon that there was no way in hell I would review each episode of Smallville. And I was like, I'll do it. But the thing is, we never put a timetable on yeah. it. And so you put up one, and you're like, I'm on the way. <laughs> uh, all right. It's a high stakes bet. Yeah. Clements. Yeah. What are some of your favorite non K-pop artists? Good question. So. Uh, you know, laugh if you will, and I tweeted about uh-huh. this, but I've been listening to the new Linkin Park album. I really like it. <laughs> like, oh, that made me laugh. There's I one song in there I really like. Yeah, I mean, the there's, so, so, you know, there's, there's a few, there's a few not so Crawling great songs on there, but I thought, I thought, uh, I like Linkin Park. I think, they will not I think they do interesting things sometimes, mm. but then I, I love a lot of classic rock and, uh, just, you know, general like hip hop and pop music, a lot of that stuff. Woke okay. up this morning, I have myself a beer. <laughs> All right. It's like, what is this man saying? <laughs> this Tyler has the final question. Remember, if you want to be part of the show, beyond.igene.com. Tyler's final question goes like this. So what's up with this rumor about Final Fantasy XIII-3? Does Square Enix understand that the fans want versus XIII? Why keep making sequels to subpar Final Fantasies? What is Ryan, Colin, and Goldfarb's opinion on XIII-3 and versus XIII? And should they just go ahead... And rename Versus to XV or something else. Versus is gone. Pretend it doesn't exist. You I really think I it's really, just completely gone? Yes. I mean, yeah. I Maybe somebody somewhere at Square Enix is working on that game. But really, like, who would be working on it right now? Like, I mean... They, I would I would guess you never see that game or yeah if you do it it has now the framework of that game has now become Final Fantasy 15 yeah I think that makes a lot more sense and as then, for 13 3 I'll totally play the hell out of it but I don't know why they're doing well it. it's well it's not confirmed first of all that's all rumors yeah well so exactly if it, if they were to do it I think it, they, the reason they're doing it is because they probably sold a lot of copies of 13 and 13 2 so 13 yes 13 2 no. is so yeah 13 2 did not sell that well, well that's then why I, then I don't know I mean <laughs> I, I don't know. I wonder if it's like a mistranslation or something because I just can't imagine. Like, Jesus, like let it go, man. It, it, like I don't know why. Let it die. Like who really wants to see more of Sarah and Lightning? You do. Well, other than me. <laughs> Very few people. And so, they still haven't made a Noel action figure, by the way. Unbelievable. Or a penguin from Arkham City. While I'm at it, man. The fuck, are they doing? This is, I don't know what was like. We're living <laughs> in Cracker Jack out. world over here. <laughs> 
I'm just saying this about Final Fantasy 13 3 that when when Clements reviewed the game, he beat it in the office. Remember? And we couldn't talk about it at the time. Remember I flipped You're out. You're talking about 2. Or, Final Fantasy 13 2. 2. Yeah. yeah. Remember I flipped out because of the ending? Yeah. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, you were they, angry. Yeah, I'm, you like, were they, I, I'm like, they are going to make another fucking game in the series. You know? I like. So I wouldn't be surprised if Final Fantasy 13 3 was already planned, but just Whoa. give it up. There I don't is... want any more of that. Most people don't want any more of that, which is why 13 sold so much better than 13-2. And by the way, 13 didn't even sell that well compared to a lot of old Final Fantasy games. So just give it up. I agree with Goldfire, by the way. Correct me if I'm wrong. Final Fantasy 13 or versus 13 was announced before PlayStation 3 came out. Yeah, yeah that's it was how 2006. Long, that's how long ago it was. Yeah. The game yeah, is right. not coming out. And if it does and if it does come out, it is going to be some abomination of, of, a, of a game, <laughs> no doubt. But I think they did say that their team was pivoting over to Final Fantasy versus 13 to finish it or whatever, but how can that game possibly be ready to go? Yeah, and if they are bringing a 13-3 now, they have a, the team is just working on that. I mean, they had uh, that DLC episode that came out that was supposed to sum up the ending that did nothing. Yeah, so, that's, so I think that the thing is is that originally people thought, and again, like 13-3, we are not confirming it on the show. I don't, I don't know what's happening with them. No one does because they're crazy, but... The original, to be continued, I think was supposed to be referring to the DLC, which they put the ending in. Yeah. But then it sounds like that, you know. This is all, by the way, so just to give context to, this, uh, to the listeners that don't know, this is coming from a, an, a, a some sort of, tra- a, a very odd translation from an interview with um, Toriyama, the director of 13 and 13.2, who said that, uh, a lot of people thought that the ending of the the last DLC episode had an a feeling hope and mystery was the quote or something <laughs> crazy like that. And he's like, which will all come to light soon. So, again, it was very... It'll probably be an game. iOS browser-based game. Like they iOS to... browser-based? Yep. How did that, how would that work? Both play through Safari on iPhone. Both of them, yeah. Safari exclusive. <laughs> Only people on their iPhones <laughs> using Safari can access the game. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, they announced, like, that... that remember that sleek-looking Final Fantasy game that looked like it had tactics art and tactics music yeah. and stuff yeah. like that? I'm like, oh, fuck yes. You know? And a lot of people... I know when, you were, I, when you freaked out and I was like, it's not it's not going to happen, you are like, I, let's I, just I, wait. I don't, think it's, I don't think it was a leap too far looking oh. at the art and listening to the... And listening to the music, which, by the way, was the same music from Final Dude, Fantasy Tactics. They're, they're doing good stuff in the mobile space. I, I reviewed Chaos Ranks 2. That game is great. No, that, that's fine but 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 we we want more console and vita and 3ds good yeah. ga- like good games like tactics too they should uh they should port all those ios games to vita under one collection for like 20 bucks uh, i don't know man i don't know about square i really don't know about those guys I'm not feeling this song. i like it that's how we end every episode. Dude, that's literally how the ending of Final Fantasy Tactics goes. I know. I just like or that, sorry, the ending of the begin- the intro. The, uh, the ending, ending of the beginning. Of the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that the subtitle sense. of Final Fantasy 13-3. The ending <laughs> of the beginning. But I don't think that that was a... I, don't, I defend that I don't think that that was a leap too far with that art and that music. You know? Clearly it was an Iblis game. Which which would have not, which would have not you know been a leap too far for it to that be another tactics game. You wouldn't have thrown your phone at me. Nope. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Podcast Beyond episode two hundred and forty eight. We are getting dangerously close to episode two hundred and fifty. If you want to be a part of this show, email beyond at ign Put two hundred and fifty in the subject line. Write your question and include a phone number. We're doing another call in show, uh, in a video format for you, and we'll figure out when we're calling you. I think we're calling. It's 
a week from Monday is when we'd be calling people, right? Isn't that what I said I thought, in the email? No, oh. the two weeks. Two from weeks Monday. from Monday, the thirtieth right. or something. Yeah, because um, we're recording a little early, right? Is that what's happening? No, we're well, we're yeah, recording late. Yeah, we're recording late. You can expect you can expect episode two hundred fifty one before episode two hundred fifty, and I'm not be, I'm not being facetious. He's not. Us. No, we want to keep the we want to keep the numbering structure intact. But during when two fifty should be hitting, I'll be in Chicago at a, at a wedding. So when I come back, we're going to record two fifty, the real episode. And so we will just continue on, and we will go from we'll go two forty nine, two fifty one, then two fifty, then two fifty two. And yes. in case you're confused, don't worry because we were all confused because Greg sent out the I most can, confusing email of all time. It wasn't that it. confusing. You knew you should have so, known what I meant. Instead of two fifty, we're gonna record one forty nine, <laughs> then one fifty one, and I'm like, uh, what did you mean? I was like, what Second the fuck email are you talking clarification. About? What I'm trying to say is after two fifty, we record one fifty one. This is so hard to understand. I did, like, I did have my real accent. I did. What? Yeah. Well, and I were like, what is going Greg's on? Greg's getting all frustrated. He's like, why aren't they understanding? He's trying to talk to a monkey. <laughs> <sighs> good times. Yeah, that was a good show. You okay, Colin? Okay. Yeah, that was a long episode. Especially yeah. considering the Dust 514 interview. Yeah, like we still have to shove in the, in the middle of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> this is literally going to be like a two hour episode. Good. And that's what people want once in a while. Literally. Right? Maybe. I don't know what you want. I don't really care. <laughs> no, tell us what you want. Beyond at IGN.com. Come to IGN.com every day and click the videos and watch the sites and read the articles. Follow us all on Twitter. At IGN for IGN. At Pwomsider for Clements. At No Taxation for Colin Moriarty. At Garfep for Andrew Goldfarb. At Game Over Greggy for me, Greg Miller. Uh, Ryan, take me home. Sounds good. We end every show with a song, which you can send, attach an MP3 to an email, beyond at IGN.com, send it to you, and uh, we can give your band or your music a plug. Just like, and I'm going to attempt to, this is a, a gentleman from Amsterdam. I believe it's going to be Jolin or Jolin. I don't think it's Jolin, but I'm going to say Jolin. Jolin Kuman or Karf. For short. I don't know where Carf comes from. Carfap? No, Carfap, yes. Uh, Yolan Check sent in a, uh, a really fun, it's called Arcade Madness, and it is a 10-minute long, crazy video game-inspired mix track with five original songs. That is a quote from this email that Yolan sent, which is a little too long to read here. But basically, it segues <laughs> from a fighting game to a Dance Dance Revolution-style game to Castlevania music all over the place. It's very fun. It's called Arcade Madness. Thank you very much, Yolan, for sending this in or carf and uh this is lots of love from amsterdam thank you for sending us love from amsterdam a place i would like to visit one day okay arcade madness beyond beyond, beyond. this is frank costanza round one fight
have good taste in music. I'm very curious how cool you can dance.
beyond or just testing sorry go ahead test. T- testing test one two you're done andrew don't test anymore testing one two three this is <laughs> new testing